You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the 2019 Locked On Podcast Network NBA Trade Deadline live show. I'm David Locke, joined by fantasy expert and host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball, Josh Lloyd. Our show today, we will walk you through all the latest deals, all the breaking news as it happens, as well as the fantasy point of view from Josh and the local experts, the Locked On Podcast Network. An unequaled show. Nobody else can touch on the local angles as we can, and nobody else has the fantasy expertise of Josh. We'll give you the latest news of what's taking place, our schedule, which can change at any moment due to breaking news. We'll check in with the Mavericks and the Knicks right away on the big Chris Dapps for Zingas deal that took place that's part of this whole deadline. Sacramento was very active last night. Matt George of Locked on Kings will join us there. We'll check in with an hour to go. We'll check in with both the Pelicans and the Lakers to see if anything's changing on that end. We'll head to the Grizzlies at around 40 minutes to the deadline to see whether Marcus Ole, Mike Conley, Garrett Temple, Jamichael Green, and all the names have been mentioned are moved at all along the way. We'll check in with the Bulls as well, who pulled off an interesting deal with Otto Porter. And we've got all of our other Locked On Podcast Network hosts standing by. Josh Lloyd joins us now. Josh, welcome to the first ever Locked On Podcast Network live show, and welcome to the NBA trade deadline. 90 minutes till this madness ends. Yeah, David, it's good to it's good to be here. It's good to be talking NBA trades. Yesterday was uh, yesterday was crazy. It felt like I was like uh, up against some sort of trade deadline with all these deals coming through, just smashing us like left, right, and center. And I thought, is am I am I off by a day with these with these deals? But uh, every, everything happening, and so far today, a couple of deals gone uh, gone down in the last half hour or so. All right, let's walk through them. Nikola Mirotic has been traded from the Pelicans to the box. It's being wrapped into that whole Stanley Johnson Thon Maker deal. The Pelicans are ending up with four second round draft picks, uh a trade exception, Stanley Johnson and Jason Smith there. Thon Maker will still end up in Detroit. Let's just go to the big implication here. That is Nikola Mirotic, one of the most active shooting fours in the league, uh above average three-point shooter, takes about seven a game. What does he do for an already potent box offense, Josh? Well, obviously, they've got that starting front court, Brook Lopez and Yanni Atatokounmpo there at the moment. So Miritich just comes in and plays, I guess, the role that he'd been playing in Chicago, playing in New Orleans as that that backup big man. We're going to see a lot more, I think, Atatokounmpo playing as a center in those uh, in those lineups with him with the ball, but also playing in that center role. He's going to take a lot of Ursan Ilyasova's minutes, which had already been started to be decreased by Mike Budenholzer of late anyway. Uh, and DJ Wilson was getting some of those minutes there at, at backup center. So I think he's, he's going to come in. He's going to play. Play. Maybe a slightly uh, less role in terms of the minutes that he was playing in New Orleans, where he was getting up to 30 a night. I don't think that's going to be the case in Milwaukee, but what he can do in terms of being able to spread the floor, uh, get hot, and, and really carry teams. But he is, you know, f- despite all the uh, the popular, I guess, opinions of Miritich, he's not a terrible defender. He's a strong rebounder. He can actually do stuff with the ball in his hands as well. And I think he just adds another massive element to this already dynamic Bucks offense. to put up 50 points in a quarter yesterday. And he'll be playing in more space than he's ever played in. He had a very good playoff series last year defensively against Portland, showing what he could do defensively from a Raptors standpoint. They're probably got to be shaking a little bit because they didn't get in on this. They couldn't do the expiring contracts Milwaukee could do. And Philadelphia's already made a mammoth move either yesterday morning or the night before, depending what time zone you live in and 
We never know with you, Josh. But let's go to the look at the Eastern Conference. Tobias Harris is another one of these big deals that went down. And Tobias Harris got moved from the Clippers to the 76ers. They gave up an awful lot. But what's your thought on how the Sixers, the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics all line up as we sit right now, now 90 minutes away from the trade deadline? Well, of course, everything can change in the next 90 minutes. But those two teams, Milwaukee and Philadelphia, made significant moves to get themselves yeah, much, much better at those forward positions. That Tobias-Harris deal, I think, David, maybe you disagree with me here. It, it gives the Philadelphia 76ers probably the best starting lineup outside of Golden State in the entire NBA. Well, and Tobias Harris becomes your fourth best player. You become pretty darn good. Yeah, and then it, it makes uh, I, J.J. Redick, you forget about him, but like how good J.J. Redick is in, in that sort of a system. Look, that stuff, the depth is an issue, but... That starting five is really good. Well, and that leads us into what will be an underlying conversation throughout this entire trade deadline special, and that is the buyout market. Because the buyout market could be very, very active to this year with Wesley Matthews and others, maybe Wayne Ellington uh, just as well, and seeing him uh, as he becomes available with the trade yesterday. There'll be other players that will fill those needs for Philadelphia. They did a nice job with that. Uh, last year. Gavin Shaw is about to join us from Locked On Knicks here in just a moment. We'll also be joined uh, by Nick over at Locked On Mavericks to address that Chris Stapps for Zingas deal, where the Mavericks sit after the Harrison Barnes deal and with the Knicks. Let's just check in on what we're expecting here in the next 90 minutes. The team we're probably watching the most closely are the Pelicans and Lakers. It does not sound from all reports that anything's going to happen on the Anthony Davis front, which then has to beg the question of where the Lakers sit after their miserable performance the other night and that classic shot on the bench of LeBron so separated from his team. We'll talk to uh, Anthony Irwin later in the show about that. The Grizzlies, who last year were quite strange, Josh. Tyreek Evans supposed to get dealt. A lot of people thought they had deals done, and then they didn't make a move. We still haven't seen Garrett Temple move. We still haven't seen Jermichael Green move. We still haven't seen Marcus Gasol go to Charlotte, as expected, and we still haven't seen the Mike Conley deal come through. Do the Grizzlies actually get something done here, or is this something unique to that front office where they do not finish these deals off? Well, they obviously made that move a few weeks ago now, getting Justin Holiday, which was a pretty significant overpay considering how well or how poorly he has played so far, getting those, uh, sending those two, uh, two second round picks to the Chicago Bulls along with Wayne Seldon. And he has really struggled since arriving there. And you mentioned that Tyreek Evans one. They sent him home for a week last season because he was going to get traded and they got cold feet and they didn't play him at the end of the season anyway. And then he was you know, upset with the organization. So that was a complete disaster. Casol's already missed two games. Well, he's missed one game. He's going to miss another game uh, today um, due to this trade as well. And if they don't get it done, it really is a, an issue within just in terms of uh, not necessarily promising things, but you know, we're doing this and we're not going to play you. And then you're going to come back in like the cleaning out Gasol's locker. It does appear that there is a an element of cold feet involved in that uh, in that front office and some of that decision making. It is an interesting case. We'll keep an eye on that and see how that plays out. Those are probably the biggest deals we're waiting to see. I can't think of anything else, but I haven't imagined much of what's taking place uh, so far. Gavin Shaw joins us from Locked On Knicks now on the program. And as well, joining us is Nick from Locked On Mavericks. And let's start with the Mavericks end of things with Nick to start this Two major deals have gone by. Uh, Harrison Barnes moved last night for, to Sacramento, and obviously Chris Depps, Brzingis, Luka Doncic. Where do the Mavericks sit right now? What are they most pleased about what they've accomplished, Nick? 
Man, the Mavericks sit in just this this really weird spot that they haven't been in a long time. They have these two young pieces in Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis, and then they have all this space looking forward. They've had in the, they've had the space in the past, and they've tried going after these big fish over and over again. The DeAndre Jordan thing in 2015, they overpaid Wes Matthews in 2015, tried to go after you know, other guys like that. Carmelo Anthony was a name that was mentioned around that Dwight Howard thing where they had the, the cartoon of him as a superhero and all that stuff. They've tried going after these guys in the past, but now they have these two young, interesting pieces. So they they love the, the space that they created. The Kristaps Porzingis trade was obviously a huge gamble. He's going to be a restricted free agent this summer, but you have all that space. You have Luka Doncic, who has been has a friendship with Kristaps Porzingis going back to their time when they both played against each other in the EuroLeague. And um, even Kristaps Porzingis went back and rehabbed his knee with Real Madrid while Luka was playing earlier you know, 2018. And so they have this, this shared history. And they, they loved this, the space that they made. And then the Harrison Barnes trade was, was kind of interesting. It just sort of seemed like they kind of dumped him, right? I mean, they, ha- they got Justin Jackson back, but Zach Randolph is probably going to get bought out. Sadly, I don't think we're going to get any Zebo and Dirk Nowitzki minutes, even though, you know, the NBA would probably freak out if that happened. But, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's kind of a salary dump. And so for the Kings, it's, it's kind of a, a nice, you know, tr- swing for the fences with Harrison Barnes, a bigger wing, but the Mavericks, they got a ton of cap space. They have a couple interesting assets and their, their cap sheet is cap sheet is really clear coming up this year. We'll touch more on Harrison Barnes. Let's go to Gavin Shaw. Gavin, let's back up. I know your co-host was uh, beside himself when Chris Porzingis was dealt. Uh, how has the emotion changed from that moment to Chris being dealt to where you sit today? And, and how stunning was this that the Knicks made this move? Well, you know, it almost played out like a horror show, David, to a degree. I mean, I'm, I'm admittedly a lifelong Knicks fan. I grew up in New York City, and it was it was just kind of shocking. Like, this felt like the cherry on top of 20 years of incompetence for the New York Knicks. This is the first time in 35 seasons you could make the argument since Patrick Ewing, the Knicks have drafted a guy who was going to be an all-star, who has been an all-star, and that they could build around him. And just such a unique player. He's called the unicorn for a reason. Seven foot three, shooting range, athleticism, rim protection on the other end of the court. The Knicks just don't get guys like that very often. In fact, it's essentially never happened. So it was initially shocked with a little little bit more time to think it through. Obviously, um, you get a little bit more nuance coming out. Clearly, the Knicks believe that they're going to be Kevin Durant's choice come this summer. They legitimately think they're in for Kyrie Irving, and Kyrie Irving, given his comments, has done nothing to dissuade them of that opinion. So it's going to be interesting to see if those guys don't come, how the Knicks respond and how they regroup. Because at least in my mind, if they don't get those two guys, and I say two because I think it's going to be essential that they bring someone if Durant is actually going to come, then... What do you do if you're the Knicks? And is this one of the worst trades of all time? And is this just another example of incompetency under the Jim Dolan regime? Josh Lloyd, when you looked at these deals, what was your thought on the impact of what Chris Tapps and Luca are going to do together and where it puts these t- franchises? Yeah, look, obviously, I think it's massive, not not really for this season in terms of uh, the, the Dallas Mavericks because Porzingis isn't really going to be playing. Well, he's not going to be playing this season, but I think it opens up a ton of stuff uh, for Doncic. It probably helps uh, a little bit with his overall efficiency numbers as we move forward, which he struggled with at times this season with some of his uh, some of his field goal percentage because he's been carrying such a huge load as the really only uh, you know, consistent threat on that Mavericks team and adding a guy like Porzingis, plus yeah, the defensive side of things as well. And we can talk about you know, replacing DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan is not a good defender at this point in his career. He doesn't block shots anymore, whereas Puzingas can be a really efficient rim protector. And I think that will help uh, Doncic there as well. Also help some of his perimeter defensive concerns, even though they might be a little bit overblown. 
It's a great pairing. I think both of those guys are able to really enhance each other's overall value on the court and from a fantasy point of view as well. I don't think there's any real concerns with that pairing. In fact, I don't think you could find really too much of a more perfect pairing. On the Knicks side of things, um, obviously, there's uh, there's concerns there. Me and Gavin spoke about that on Locked On NBA this week about some of the decisions, and of course, it's all going to come down to what happens in in free agency and with some of those draft picks, which, if the Porzingis deal works out, won't be all that good, considering the Mavericks should be pushing into a pretty strong playoff position after that. But what it does do is it gives Dennis Smith a massive opportunity. We saw last game he played about 40 minutes for the Knicks. He's going to get an opportunity here over these last couple of months to really audition himself, depending, I guess, on what Fisdale does, whether he wants to go back to his Emmanuel Moutier reclamation project, whether they've completely given up on Frank Nilakina, which it appears they have at this stage. So there's a massive opportunity for Smith there. But, but Gavin, I do want to ask you about something with the Knicks and getting guys in like Wes Matthews and all this talk from Fisdale about developing young guys. And then the second game in, Wes Matthews starts and Alonzo Trier plays you know, 12 or 13 minutes. Like, what's, what's the thought process there in that sort of move in getting these younger guys and then making these moves and then reducing their minutes? Um, my understanding for it is the last two games have been sort of a marketing campaign for Wesley Matthews. They're trying to bait one of these contending teams into potentially trading for him. And at least as far as what's been reported so far, Philly has kind of been the foremost team thought to actually think about trading them while other squads like Golden State um, would potentially be interested in him as a buyout product. Unfortunately for the Knicks, Wesley Matthews has been pretty atrocious over the last two games. It's like one of his last a million three-pointers in his two games as a New York Knick. But the good news is he has such a strong track record throughout the NBA and clearly can provide utility as a 3 and D guy for a contender. So I, I think there's an opportunity for the Knicks to maybe snake a second rounder from a team. But if not, they're just going to buy him out. And then you'll likely see the young guys back in the rotation. Big picture on this trade for a second. The storyline is supposedly was at least built uh, by very professional agents and teams that Chris Depps walks into the office. They have this meeting. He says he wants out and stunningly a deal is done within 30 minutes. Nick and Gavin, let me start with Nick. Are you guys buying that it happened this quickly and Dallas just suddenly jumped on it? Or do you think this is actually was in the works for a while? And this was something Dallas has been looking at for a little bit, Nick. No, this has definitely been in the works for a long time. There was a Mark Stein newsletter that came out recently that said that the Mavericks asked about Kristaps Porzingis upwards of a hundred times, asking about and just saying that they liked him, saying that you know that they were interested in him and talking about this. And uh, when asked about the trade and when he found out that this trade was being made, Dirk said he knew three days before that that, that they were looking at a trade like this. And so it just so happened that they were playing in New York, Donnie Nelson was there. Mark Cuban happened to be there. So he was able to, you know, handshake agreement, the deal right there in person. And that's kind of went how it went down so fast, but this was in the works for a long time. They Mark Stein even mentioned that there was a, a framework for a, for a Tim Hardaway Jr. West Matthews trade straight up. And so there's, there's different things like that. They're already in the works and it just kind of all came together because they were in person. Yeah. I, you, absolutely. That's not I, the storyline that we were sold, right guys? No, absolutely not. And it's funny because I was actually, we talked about this with Josh on Locked on NBA this past Monday. There's this perception amongst Knicks fans that Chris Stapps has been wanting out since early in the season. And this was like a slow force process. And I, I think it's pretty evident to anyone who's done their homework on this, that there's fault on both sides on that front. But it's also very clear that the Knicks were seemingly willing to move him because the, the whole idea that Chris Stapps Porzingis wasn't going to take um, the max contract that the Knicks or the max extension rather that the Knicks offered him at the end of this season is one I never really bought. There hasn't been a rookie in NBA history 
that's denied that max extension, much less one coming off a traumatic torn ACL. And you've, you've heard his comments as a Dallas Maverick, and now some Knicks fans don't necessarily believe it, but I would be shocked if he doesn't end up signing that max extension with Dallas. And if you're New York, I feel like there was a road to keeping him, and clearly they per- – prefer the alternative to acquire a lot of cap space, a yet another young asset in Dennis Smith Jr. and two future first-round picks, rather than build around Porzingis, who, to be clear, has had his faults in terms of injuries, 11 different lower body injuries just over his first three seasons. Obviously, you never really know how an athletic seven-foot-three guy coming off a torn ACL is going to play because there's, frankly, no precedent for that. But the idea that Porzingis just walked in last week and demanded a trade and the Knicks were like, all right, let's throw something together, that, that idea is false and it's been confirmed to be false by a variety of different sources. Well, and that, frankly, is the value of the Locked On Podcast Network and the local experts on the biggest stories, the local experts that, you know, maybe some other people bomb, but we're not as tied into some people, and so a lot of those stories can come out a little bit. Final leverage play has been made by Anthony Davis here just moments ago. Uh, Dave McMenamin tweets out that if Anthony Davis is not traded today, he plans on playing every game for the rest of the season for the New Orleans Pelicans and expects to play. So we have the final leverage play here taking place with an hour to go in the trade deadline hour and 13 minutes by Anthony Davis McMenamin who covers the Lakers for ESPN tweeting out about that let me get one final thought from each Gavin and Nick before we end this on the guys that have switched clubs Gavin you just mentioned a moment ago about Chris Tapps Przingis the 11 lower body injuries we've never seen a physical specimen like him it's unique sometimes uniqueness is great sometimes uniqueness there's a reason what maybe is there any downside to his game or his physical condition of why the Knicks moved him other than this personality issue and something Maverick fans should be really worried about? Well, I think it was the fact that he stalled out every season. And again, literally three seasons in, this has happened every single year. He played incredibly well over the first 10 to 20 games of the year. And then he's just a completely different guy going forward. You can go on his basketball reference page. You can check out the splits by month. He's just a totally different player at the beginning of the season versus at the end of the season. You look back to last season, even before he tore his ACL, over the first 10 games of the season, he was in the top five scorers in the league. He was dominant defensively. He was looking like a legitimate NBA MVP threat at age 22. And the rest of the games, he was still very good. He was good enough to get an all-star berth, but he was simply not that guy anymore. So if I'm Dallas, that's what I'm looking out for. Though I think the opportunity to play with Luka Doncic, a guy that I feel like is going to be amongst the top three or four players in the NBA in the relatively near future and truly a genius passer um, is going to take a lot of that weight off of him. And I think it's maybe a reason Dallas should feel more encouraged that it could work out better as a Maverick than in New York. Gavin, thank you very much. Very subtly, Gavin was actually the first trade of the trade deadline from the Nets to the Knicks in the Lockdown Podcast <laughs> Network. Gavin, we appreciate you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Gavin. Nick, uh, you and Isaac have had great success over at Lockdown Mavericks, but give Knicks fans a little bit of an understanding of what they got in Dennis Smith Jr., who you've watched. And you guys have listened to numerous times debate time and time again about what you thought of Dennis Smith and going back and forth. I'm not even sure you ever came to a full conclusion of what you think of him. Yeah, we, we spent basically an entire year tanking for Dennis Smith Jr., got Dennis Smith Jr., and it's been an entire year discussing and debating Dennis Smith Jr. as to what you know what his fit is in the league, who fits well next to him. Uh, what, the, what the Knicks are getting in Dennis Smith Jr. is a guy that can just attack the basket. You've seen this in his first couple of games with the Knicks. He's a guy that can get to the basket with ease. Obviously, we've seen the hops. You've seen the mixtapes. Uh, you've seen all of that kind of stuff. He's also really improved his defense this year. That's something that's kind of underrated in his game. Uh, his deflections, his activity. His, in his rookie year, we just didn't see him be as active on the defensive end. And so this year, we're seeing that a lot more. Um, his pick and roll game is not as good as it was, you know, 
advertised coming out of NC State, but that's something he's definitely working on. He has some chemistry with DeAndre Jordan, so we've seen that a little bit in the first couple of games. Uh, and then his jump shot is, is kind of up and down. Right now he's shooting well. He's always shot fairly well on catch-and-shoot shots, which is why we thought maybe that he would fit well with Luka earlier this year. So he does kind of – he has kind of that. His pull-up game just isn't there yet, and uh, he still has a lot of work to do on that. But I think he's going to be a good player. I don't know if he's going to be an all-star level player. That's not what I would you know project him to be. Um, but Knicks fans are starting to paint him as the, uh, the young Derrick Rose, which I don't know about that either. So, um, yeah, he's just a young, interesting player, and there's a lot to look forward to with him. Nick, thank you very much. Keep up the great work over on Lockdown Mavericks. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Nick and Isaac do a great job. All right, the humor has come out now. Ricky Rubio, who's been in many trade rumors, has tweeted out that Joe Ingles had two coffees this AM league sources tell him, Josh. So the nervousness of the players who are watching Twitter as much as anyone else, probably watching every one of these shows with 59 minutes to go, beginning to crack a little bit and throw some jokes out there to make people laugh. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure uh, Joe Ingles is, is tuned right into the show as well. Got his coffees. He's already. He's, he's the new Boris Deer with his uh, with his love of coffee. And I suppose that comes from uh, from being in Melbourne. Because uh, David, I'm not sure if you've been down uh, down here. We are a big uh, a big coffee city, and we're we're known for that around the world. And I only just started drinking coffee last year. And Ricky Rubio just tweeted again. So far, my code to get into the practice practice facility has worked so we're getting some players giving us some good humor here's the latest news as we sit here uh 70 minutes until the trade deadline nikola miritich has been traded today uh he has been moved to the milwaukee bucks with led robin lopez to comment that he feels sorry for nikola because he got the superior perform experience of playing with the best lopez brother already <laughs> and now he has to play with the second best uh news has just come across memphis has made a deal Adrian Wojnarowski reporting Memphis has traded Garrett Temple and Jamichael Green to the Clippers for Avery Bradley. That's, Garrett um, Temple and Jamichael Green to the Clippers for Avery Bradley. What's your reaction to that, Josh? It's uh, it's interesting. We just talked about how Green and, and Temple, how they've been, how Memphis has been dragging their feet on on making moves. Avery Bradley has been poor this season. What that really does do, though. Uh, if for LA is open up a ton of value for Shea Gilgis Alexander, especially for fantasy. Now he's been starting uh, earlier this season, playing 30 minutes a night. But over the last month to six weeks, Doc had really been ramping his minutes down and playing him like 20 minutes a night. I think this is as the Clippers really start to build for the future here. They're getting more minutes into Shea. We'll see more minutes from Patrick Beverly. The Jamichael Green. Fit is interesting. I think uh, I think he's going to have an opportunity there to start next to Danilo Gallinari, but that's a that's a weird fit because you're pushing Gallinari, who's been having a lot of success this season. David playing as a center, is he going to have to move back to play that small forward position? Um, how is he going to fit in there? I don't really, you know, I'm, I'm not. I think Jamichael Green's a little bit overrated. He's he's quite uh, much older than because he hasn't been in the league long, but he's about 28 or 29 already. Um, he's had some success shooting the three on low volume this season. He's had you know, moments, but then he's also struggled, and the knee has been a real problem for him. So uh, this is clearly just a move to to open up some minutes, and maybe it's a disconnect between. I mean, this is just speculation. Front office and coaching with Doc playing Avery Bradley more minutes than anybody on this team outside of Harris and Gallinari. When there's guys like Gildas Alexander who's shown that he can stick as a starter and needs to be getting minutes rather than having those minutes uh, minutes lopped off, so I think this is a, a positive sign in terms of development for the Clippers. It's massively positive for Gildas Alexander. Um, for Memphis, Avery Bradley's got a team option for next season, uh, or it's a non guarantee. It's, it's a marginal non guarantee. So two million two million dollar guarantee next year for Avery Bradley. So the Clippers actually clear about two more. 
million dollars more of cap space uh, in their quest to land free agents. So it doesn't really it doesn't really change a huge amount for for what Memphis is going to do. Or Bradley just moves into that Garrett Temple role there that he was playing that you know, thirty minute starting shooting guard. And Bradley, look, if we're going to be honest, he has been poor for the last two seasons. Like not only poor, like been destructively bad when he's been on the court. So he's not going to jump up into having fantasy value in anything here. And it doesn't really do much for this Grizzlies team who is uh, sinking pretty uh, pretty quickly. And more news coming out. We'll get to Matt George of Sacramento in uh, the Locked on Kings uh, in just a second. Ooh. But the now Marcus Gasol, Clipper, the Grizzlies have started to act. Marcus Gasol nearing a deal to go to the Toronto Raptors. We open the show today, Josh, with the landscape changing deals across the Eastern Conference. It started with Tobias Harris the other night. He sent that sent a shockwave that had to rock Boston, had to rock Toronto, had to rock Milwaukee. Milwaukee made the move today to add Nikolai Miritich. And now Toronto, who's sitting with Kawhi Leonard, a free agent at the end of the year, maybe going for their last shot, a rumor to be very close to a deal for Marcus Gasol, according to Woj Bomb. Woj Bombs, we react right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, That's interesting. We'll be interested to see what, what that deal is and how it comes together, but that is a pretty interesting uh, one, and it would lead one to believe that Mike Conley would be moving here at some point. The Grizzlies, who, if they win enough games, give up their pick one through eight, may not be heading that direction. If they make all these other moves, you would think at some point the Mike Conley deal happens before this is over. I would be very surprised if they left Mike Conley just sitting there uh, on his very own in Memphis. Yeah. Uh, Josh, what's your thought on Marcus Gasol before we head over to Matt George and get an update on what's going on in Sacramento with their Harrison Barnes deal yesterday? We're going to need to know more about what this actual trade involves. I'm going to assume that Jonas Valanciunas is coming back because that was the, the rumored deal earlier on in the week that was involving Mike Conley going to Toronto. You, I don't see how you're going to be able to have Serge Barker, Jonas Valanciunas and Marcus Gasol there. Yeah, Valanciunas uh, returning from that hand injury. He's uh, either playing today or, or really close. So well, here's the deal. Uh, Woj just said it's Jonas Valanciunas, Dillon Wright, CJ Miles, and a 2024 second round pick to the Grizzlies. Now, in terms of fantasy value, I'm adding Jonas Valanciunas. I think he's going to have an opportunity to start. If he gets 25 minutes a night, he's an asset. But Dillon Wright's the real interesting one, especially if Mike Conley moves. I really like what uh, what Wright can do. He's shown flashes this season. He showed it last season as well. And give him an opportunity to play minutes. He can be a really, really interesting guy. So I think that is massive for both the value of Valanciunas and Wright as fantasy guys. It probably does hurt Gasol to a bit, but not enough that we need to you know, be considering any drastic moves there. But that, that is interesting, that sort of return. What do you think of that overall package? Well, it's interesting. It, it does only a second-round pick. So I, I'm actually not even clear what Memphis is getting here, right? Did they want Valanchunas? I like DeLon Wright as a future asset, but... He, he's a restricted maybe. free agent as well. Right? He's restricted. So this is an interesting deal because you, I think that Memphis would have thought as they went to the market that they were going to be able to get a first-round pick from Marcus Gasol, and they did not get a first-round pick, even from Toronto, who is one of the better teams in the league. So their picks, you would assume, would be at a much or a, a easier one to acquire. But Gasol is 34 years old. He does have the player option, which hurts his value because there's a chance he's going to opt in and take $18 million of your cap space next year. So that's actually a negative on his deal that he's not expiring, I think, at 34 years old, and he could tie you up a little bit. So I'm not sure that I think this is a that the Memphis really got a lot for him um, in some ways. Memphis is clearing the deck right now, and it 
the other question on this is when you try to look at it, and I don't know, I don't have Valanciunas' contract in front of me. I'll pull it up unless you have it, Josh. It's about, uh, it's the other question me, here is what, is what is Memphis trying to do? What is What are they trying to acquire? What Are they are they trying to get young pieces in the trade in, for Avery Bradley? They're certainly getting an expiring contract. Are they trying to get uh, – are they going to become the facilitating team the way the Utah Jazz were and got two first-round draft picks for Andre Udala a little while ago where they're – clearing the space so that they can then help other teams make trades and be that team as they rebuild their franchise. It's an, it's interesting to see in Memphis as a, as another side note, by the way, is that a marketplace that can go through a rebuild and maintain a franchise? That's a, that's a bigger question uh, to Memphis. So let's update you on all the news and then get in uh, check in with Matt George. Nikola Miritich has been traded from new Orleans to Milwaukee for a package that he became tied into the Stanley Johnson thon maker deal and also has four, uh, second round picks in it going to New Orleans. Uh, Marcus Soul has been traded to the Toronto Raptors for Jonas Valanciunas, for DeLon Wright, and for CJ Miles in a second round pick. So Marcus Soul is now on the Raptors. And the Garrett Temple and Jamichael Green have been traded to the Clippers for Avery Bradley. We'll reset all of those. Check in uh, coming up at the top of the hour with the Pelicans and the Lakers. Hopefully checking in with Sean Woodley of Locked on Raptors now as well. We'll check in with Matt Mark King of Locked on Grizzlies. But another deal that took place last night, Harrison Barnes goes to the Kings for Justin Jackson and Zach Randolph. The Kings also acquired Alec Burks during the day, moving Amon Shumpert. Matt George joins us from Locked on Kings. Sounds like a playoff push from my end on the Sacramento Kings going all in to make the playoffs. Did they get better last night, Matt? Gents, it's a pleasure to join you. My thumb's hurting from refreshing Twitter so much over these last 20 minutes or so. But uh, to answer your question, yes, they are, in my opinion, they've done enough uh, to make it to the playoffs and to make that playoff push. Now, I've also been labeled the optimist in Sacramento for quite a long time, and it's a good time right now to be an optimist here. Uh, the Kings did everything they needed to do without giving up too much. They acquired Harrison Barnes. They acquired Alec Burks without giving away a single piece of their core. And they still managed to get another second round pick on top of it. So they now have nine second round picks over the next three seasons that they're going to play with. Who knows what Vlade is going to do uh, with that. But Harrison Barnes... Kings have been needing a, a three, a small forward for the entire season, quite a long time. Uh, and Harrison Barnes fits exactly the mold of what they've been trying to go out and get. A guy that's not a uh, not a bad defender who can stay in front and guard wing defenders, which they've had Iman Shumpert guarding uh, wing offensive players all season long. And then he also provides three-point shooting, and Harrison Barnes is having his second-best three-point shooting season of his career, just shy of 40% from deep. Hopefully he can be a nice compliment to Fox. Bagley and everything they're doing here and he's a fairly young player so if the Kings decide to try and lock him down for long term depending upon what he does with his player option here this summer I think uh, there could be good things with Harrison Barnes and this Kings team for uh, potentially many years to come let me ask a uh, let me ask a point blank question Josh is Harrison Barnes a good basketball player um Okay, well, in comparison to the rest of the world, yes, in NBA standards, I'd say he's average. I'm not certain what he what he does. Now, he carried a big load in Dallas as that main guy for a couple of seasons, but 
the team over the last two years, well, they're seven points better off with him on the bench versus him on the court. And last season, it was 9.3 points difference there. So that's you know significantly, you know, and that's some part of that is the way that Carlisle runs things and the strength of that bench unit run by JJ Breyer and Devin Harris at times. You have really a, a lot of uh, value in those bench guys, but that's a, a damning statistic for a guy who's supposed to be your max contract guy in Dallas, who the team is significantly better when he's not actually on the court. That, that's a real issue to me now. Um, Matt, you're getting you know, Harrison Barnes across here uh, to, to fill in that Iman Shumpert role, but is there a chance? And I think Barnes's best position is at the four. Does he you know, slide up and take some of those minutes away from Nemanja Bielitsa? We know Dave Yeager has had issues in the past in terms of um, giving trust to rookies like Marvin Bagley, and it's taken that alleged blow-up earlier in the season for him to start playing more. Could Barnes actually slide up there, and then we see Bogdan Bogdanovich moved in, move into that starting lineup like he did last game with Shumpert out? Is that a possibility, or does Barnes slide straight into the three there? I don't think that's very likely at all. I think Barnes is coming in here, and the Kings are bringing him in with the the full idea that he will play the three consistently. If anybody is going to replace Nemanja Bjelica in the starting lineup, it's Marvin Bagley. He's been uh, making the case for that, and we're seeing more consistently Bagley and Willie Cauley Stein sharing the floor together over uh, recent games. So maybe potentially setting up uh, for a move like that to be made. But the Kings have been trying to fill this this hole at the three uh, for the entire season. They've been undersized for the entire uh, season, and quite frankly. Coach Yeager and and the rest of the roster, I think they're 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 tired of it. They're excited to have someone who is capable of playing that position, who truly is is built for that position, uh, especially physically. And uh, Harrison Barnes is going to be someone that can help them also with their rebounding issues. Now, I'm not saying Harrison Barnes is a good rebounder, but the fact that they've been undersized for the majority of the season with Iman Schumbert playing the three has hurt them on the glass. And, and Dave Yeager has discussed that a lot throughout the uh, the course of this season. So uh, by my understanding, by the Kings understanding and by everybody here's in Sacramento's understanding, Harrison Barnes is coming here to fill the, the, the blatant gap that has been at that three spot for really since Rudy Gay was traded or let go rather. Matt, can I just ask I one, one more thing? Is he, is he better than Bogdanovich? Cause I don't think he is. Uh, well, Bogdan Bogdanovich is is shooting himself uh, through a, a nightmare stretch right now. So at the moment, I don't think he could be much worse than the way uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is playing. Uh, defensively, yes, Harrison Barnes is better than Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, Bogey's just not uh, strong enough or fast enough uh, to be able to to handle and stay in front of wing defenders. I think we got a, a, a or sorry, wing offensive players. We got a pretty clear indication of that last night with how he was abused by James Harden and really everybody that came into the game with the Rockets against him. I like Bogey as an offensive player. I also really like him uh, as a facilitator and the primary ball handler for the Kings coming off the bench. I think that's where they want to keep him as the uh, the main piece of that second unit, of that bench unit. Uh, yes, in my opinion, Harrison Barnes is better at the three spot uh, than Bogdan Bogdanovich would be consistently. What's your closing five, do you think, in Sacramento? Closing five to end this season? Uh, it, honestly, it depends. End the close game. Oh, sorry. Uh, the closing five to end the close game as of right now with this roster is probably a, a small lineup of De'Aaron Fox, Bogdan, Bogdanovich, Buddy Heald, uh, Harrison Barnes, and Marvin Bagley at this point. I agree. Whoa, not Willie Cauley-Stein. No, I, I, I agree. No. Cauley-Stein's been struggling lately, Matt. Um, he's been uh, minutes cut as well. Is there a chance he's on the move as well? Because It seems like the writing's on the wall for Cauley-Stein, but that's just me as an outsider looking at it. 
Yeah, so there's uh, there's definitely the idea that Willie could be on the move. He was one of he and Costa Kurfos, in my opinion, were the two biggest pieces that the Kings had that had the most trade value. So I'm surprised that both of them are still on the team uh, to this point. Uh, we, of course, Willie Colley Stein's contract is up at the end of the year. He's an unrestricted free, or sorry, he's a restricted free agent, and he is is operating with the mindset that he is going to get paid this summer, uh, one way or another. The Kings currently have an empty roster spot, so who knows what they're going to do with that? And I actually. I uh, got a brief opportunity to speak with Vlade Divac uh, in the tunnel last night as we were waiting to go into the locker room. And, and some of the media asked him if he wanted to speak on the trade. And he said no. He'd, he'd talk more about it today. He has a press conference at, at 1.30 Pacific time here. Uh, but what he did say is, he said, quote, it's not over yet. So that leaves the door open to suggest that maybe more moves are coming. We're also hearing from Jason Jones of The Athletic, who covers the Kings here, uh, that he's hearing that, that the Kings are 100% done. Uh, but Vlade and the rest of this organization, this front office, have shown that they're not going to make a move unless it fits with the plan and it works for them without having to sacrifice too much. And if, if the Kings have to hold on to Willie and risk letting him walk at the end of the season, the fact that they have Giles and Bagley behind him doesn't make it that big of a risk. Matt George, Locked on Kings, continue your optimism and enjoy the playoff push. Everybody will be rooting for you because otherwise they're rooting for the Lakers. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Uh, we've Thank got, you very much. We've got 54 minutes away from the trade headline. We've got major stories to cover top to bottom here. Let me update everyone on what has happened today. Marcus Soul is rumored to be on the move to from the Memphis Grizzlies to the Toronto Raptors for DeLon Wright, C.J. Miles. Jonas Valanciunas in a second-round pick. Nikola Miritich is on the move from the Pelicans, and we'll talk to Jake Madison here in just a second to the Milwaukee Bucks in that pick, and we'll find out whether Anthony Davis is going anywhere. Garrett Temple is on the move along with Michael Green from Memphis to L.A. in exchange for Avery Bradley. No news yet on Mike Conley. Ricky Rubio is blowing up Twitter with humor. He just tweeted out one hour left. If I turn my phone on airplane mode, does it count? He is a previous tweet was, Hey, I just got to the practice facility and I still was let in. So the players are having some fun with this all too. Jake Madison, Sean Woodley, both local experts on the biggest stories. And we've got two biggest stories going on at the same time right now. Jake Madison, let's get to the biggest story first and then we'll jump to Sean. Then we'll jump back to Jake, but Jake, the biggest story, Anthony Davis, anything, <laughs> it doesn't sound like much going on right now, um, and it sounds like this is going to drag out to the summer. It seems as if the Lakers and the Pelicans have not spoken yesterday or today, likely leaving these talks dead in the water for right now. Pelicans just didn't like the, the offer from the Lakers, wanted some more. It doesn't sound like the Lakers wanted to get involved, again, in a bidding war with themselves. I guess they'd rather wait to bid against the Boston Celtics, and that's looking like how it's going to go uh, come July 1. All right, before we get to that and more about that and the Nikola Miritich deal, let's go to Sean Woodley. Locked on Raptors. The word is Marcus Gasol heading to the Raptors in exchange for Jonas Valanciunas, DeLon Wright, CJ Miles, and a second-round pick. Sean, what's your initial reaction to this? Uh, kind of floored to begin with. Uh, this is not something I expected to come. I thought there would be sort of a move on the margins, maybe like a Terrence Ross, or maybe just wait for the buyout market for a Wayne Ellington or Wes Matthews. Uh, this is uh, huge. I mean, Jonas Valanciunas, the longest serving Raptor. I am personally sad to see him go. It's kind of sad. He was supposed to come back tonight from his two month long absence with a thumb injury. He's not going to get to play with the Raptors ever again. That is, uh, it, it's just strange. It's going to be weird not seeing him with the Raptors, but 
I don't know. When you see the Bucks go out and get Nikola Mirotic today, you see the Sixers go get Tobias Harris. I don't know how you can't do something if you're the Raptors, right? There is, I think, some pressure here to do something. As good as this team is, I think, when fully functioning and healthy, uh, you know, they've kind of struggled a little bit lately. And this was the kind of move that to keep up with the rest of the heavy hitters in the East, I think they kind of had to go make. Um, and the, the way I know that this is probably a good trade is that there is literally no agreement right now on my timeline among Raptors fans as to whether or not this is a good trade. Uh, there's a lot of people mad about it, a lot of people very happy about it, a lot of people kind of in between. I am leaning towards being happy about it. This for the, for the for a few reasons. First of all, Gasol's a better player than Jonas. I love Jonas. Gasol is a more rounded, better defender, better shooter, better passer. He just kind of does all the things Jonas does well a little bit better. So I'm on board with Gasol as an upgrade over Jonas. And then as great as the Raptors' depth is, and I think this is something people are concerned about, you lose Jonas and the depth kind of gets hit. I like we saw last year with the Raptors depth is not everything, especially the postseason and to consolidate the rotation a little bit here, you know, DeLon Wright, he had been kind of up and down sort of in the favor of Nick Nurse this season, got benched a couple weeks ago against Houston and has not been consistent this season. It's not been very good. He's got an RFA decision coming up very soon, which is going to be, I think, a really tricky one because there's not a whole lot of tape on him because he's missed time, didn't really play his rookie season. And then CJ Miles just kind of became an extra spare part because Norman Powell, you know, honestly, Norman Powell playing so well this season and kind of turning into a very good second unit player for the Raptors has kind of made both DeLon and CJ expendable. So you consolidate the roster. There's still going to be another move here because now the Raptors are down to, I believe, 11 or 12 players on the roster after the Malachi Richardson trade yesterday. So there's going to be a buyout move here, or a last second trade, I think, to fill out the roster. But uh, overall, I think it is a smart move for the Raptors and uh, certainly exciting, if a little bit bittersweet because of sort of the relationship Raptors fans have had with Jonas for seven years. Sean. Josh Lloyd, let me ask you a question, yeah. Josh. Uh, I'm just thinking about this from a conceptual standpoint. Here's what we have going on. We have Marcus Hull, who's a stretch five, suddenly playing for the Raptors with Serge Ibaka or Pascal Siakam. We have the Bucks playing with Giannis as the five, probably Nikola Mirotic. We have the 76ers and Brooke Lopez. We have the 76ers playing with Joel Embiid. We suddenly have an Al Horford on the Celtics. The four best teams in the Eastern Conference are all basically capable of playing a five-out offense. This is the the maybe the final jump into the new world of the NBA with the top four teams of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, now we're just waiting on Boston to see if they make a move. But you're right; those, those centers that end there's, there's a common thread with all of them as well. Gasol. Horford, um, yeah, Giannis, when he plays at center, Embiid, they can all pass. They can all handle the ball. They can all initiate the offense in stretches also. So they've got that. All of these guys, I think the only one of those guys who hasn't had a triple-double is Embiid, but Gasol's had it. Um, uh, Horford's had one in that scenario. Giannis obviously has had it there as well. Guys who can all initiate the offense and be able to do yeah, lots of different things with the ball. It is really changing you know, things up. But Sean, I, I want to ask you uh, about this, uh, this mm. trade in terms of that front court mix. We had a Sergio Barker and Pascal Siakam starting you know, pretty much all of the season. The occasional matchup where Valanciunas would come in. Does this just relegate Ibaka down to a backup center? Because he's a guy, when we talk about you know five out lineups and stretches, he had basically taken no threes at all anymore after taking a huge proportion yeah. of his shots in the past. So what happens? Do they don't look to move him back to power forward, surely, because he struggled so much there over the last season, especially in the playoffs. Does he just move in now to that 
19, 20-minute backup role that Valanchunas was holding? Or do we see Siakam's value cut down? Because I think you would find it hard to find anyone who would argue that Siakam's been a better player than Ibaka this season. So what's going to happen in that mm-hmm. mix? Is that going to create some disharmony you know, with Serge? Is he going to be someone who'd take that demotion nicely? Or is it going to be more that Marcus Gasol actually loses some minutes and they sort of split that playing time? Yeah, I kind of think it might be closer to the last one there because Serge Ibaka has been fantastic this season and him and Kyle Lowry had this great connection and Ibaka's defense, I think, is a little bit more valuable against certain matchups that the Raptors might come across, like, for example, you know, the the, the Bucks, for example, because he's been pretty good on Giannis in, in, in the past. Like, I think Ibaka's going to still play a ton of center. I would think considering the groundwork that Nick Nurse has laid and maybe the chemistry gets a little bit tricky here and it becomes sort of hard to navigate with Marc Gasol coming in. Uh, I, I do think Nurse is going to try to sort of make that an even enough split. I mean, we will have no idea until we see one or two games of the rotation here to really make any guesses here because I, I'm guessing just as much as you are at this point. But I think the way Pascal Siakam has played, the way Serge Ibaka is so much better utilized as a center as opposed uh, to a power forward and just the way maybe Marcus Gasol at 34, maybe he's best playing 26 minutes a game instead of playing north of 30. Uh, I, I just think that's probably going to be the way they got, try to go here. I do think... Who starts? I don't know if it's going to matter all that much. I think all these guys are going to play a lot. The rotation's a lot smaller now, so they're going to have to work these guys in. And, you know, the one risk that you're really taking here is that Marcus Gasol won't be as okay as Jonas was with the split of time at center. And you're, you're opening yourself up to some stuff. Obviously, there's been some stuff in the past with Marcus Gasol maybe not being the easiest guy to get along with when it comes to coaches. Uh, maybe, uh, I mean, you hope that coming into a team with finals aspirations kind of changes that and he's willing to buy in and do whatever. Um, but yeah, the, it's a good problem to have because they have a lot of different configurations. The Siakam-Abaka front court has always been very good. Siakam at center is still something I'm sure we're going to see. OG Ananobi was not involved in this trade which uh, I think is important for the Raptors' lineup versatility. We have not seen you know, how Siakam and Gasol work together, but in theory that should work pretty well, pretty well too because you know Gasol can be this nice passer from the elbow. You know, Siakam's a great cutter. That seems like it'd be a pretty nice combo too. Um, so it's going to take some finessing from Nick Nurse, certainly, but he's already put in the groundwork this season to get guys to buy in to sort of playing in positions in which they're most likely to succeed and thus put up better numbers and still look good regardless of if they're getting the start or not. So... Um, uh, it's going to be fascinating. I'm still, my head's spinning right now, man. It's, uh, this is on, not I'm something on, I expected. I'm going to go on record here. I, I don't like this deal by the Raptors. The more I think no? about oh, it, because I like, I, I think Valanchunas is a really valuable rim roller. I think rim rollers still matter in this mm-hmm. league as much as we're talking about the space. You run a pick and roll with Lowry yep. and someone's rolling to the rim. That's a huge value. He's one of the most efficient offensive players. Marcus Hull's not an efficient offensive player anymore. Defensively, Marcus Hull's brilliance is that drop back in, in the, you know the drop big play that Valanciunas is pretty darn good at. Like mm-hmm. Valanciunas is good at that. This it, I I think the upgrade is if anything is defensively, and I'm not sure it's that big an upgrade anymore with a 34 year old Marcus Hull. He's really good defensively. He still understands angles. He plays it very very well. I I, I don't think this uh, this does not move my. I'm just going to say this. I don't think this moves my meter for the Raptors, and I think all the things you just brought up, Sean, and that you brought up, Josh, have a chance to derail them a little bit. I I think this is a bigger risk than Masai Ujiri should have taken, and I think he felt the pressure 
uh, from what took place. Jake Madison has just left us. Unfortunately, I was just about to go back to Jake um, right now about um, just Nick Lymerich. I think this was a just little bit of a reaction something. to that. I'm seeing something coming in here that, that perhaps March and Gortat might be on the way out of uh, of LA as well. Nothing confirmed at this point, but he's been saying that he he looks like he may have been traded. But that's uh, just just coming across now. We'll see how that uh, that goes down. But that, that's something to pay attention to. So not that Gortat's been good this season, but that's just another move that could potentially be happening. And just to chime in on what you said there, David, I, I kind of, I do agree. Like there's definitely risk to this move. And I don't think, I think there's a reason a lot of Raptors fans are upset about it because there are ways in which this code could go wrong. I think I like the boldness about it. I like, you know, if you're trying to convince Kawhi Leonard to stick around, showing you're willing to go out and get a guy like Marc Gasol who has a proven track record of getting deep into postseasons and being very good. And, you know, in the past being a guy that teams like the Warriors had problems with, I think that is a good sort of recruiting tool that you can say, hey, like we're willing to go out and do big things. Um, I agree. Valanciunas is a role man. That's kind of been his reawakening lately because, you know, before the last couple of seasons, he was just a straight post up guy. And that just kind of, you know, aged out. That's not something you really need anymore. Uh, he He is a very good role man. I still think. Kyle Lowry is such a good navigator of the pick and roll. I think Gasol is a fine enough roller, and he also adds a bit of a pop element. I mean, everyone makes you know a big deal of Jonas's shooting that kind of came over the last couple of seasons. Like it was gimmick shooting, right? It wasn't anything that you're actually going to be worried about if you're a team. Like you're happy if he's taking that sort of trebuchet three as a trailer. Um, so I think the the added popping ability that that Gasol is going to provide, and the passing, I really think. If you think back to you know times where this team's been derailed in the postseason too, you know it's, a lot of it has happened with you know Jonas Valanciunas coming up, setting a screen, getting the ball in a four on three, and having no idea what to do with it. And you know to his credit, he got much better at that. But I think Gasol as a passer and as a guy who, if there is a lot of defensive attention being paid to Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard, he's a guy who can kind of run your offense from the elbow, and you're not too worried about making decisions from him. Um, the the big thing here, I'm I'm curious to see is how the front court's going to work out. I mean, we could see Ibaka slide back to the four. I hope we don't because it's just not where he's most no, equipped. Doesn't work. Um, but you know, the bench has not been excellent this season, and maybe Pascal Siakam. We've seen some you know work with Siakam playing with the bench be really good and kind of playing as a small ball five with the second unit. I just we probably shouldn't get too hung up on the particulars. We might just see different guys start every game. This was the plan coming into the season. I think even before Siakam really took off, it was going to be OG and Siakam flipping back and forth and starting at the four. It was never really a set plan as to what the four or five starters were going to be. And this doesn't have to be a set plan either. I think they can go by the matchups. I think against certain, you might see an entire series in the playoffs where Gasol starts at center playing against, say, Philadelphia. And then if they play... In the next round, Milwaukee, we might see a Baca start at center. Uh, and I just think Nurse has done enough, I think, to massage this team. And obviously, dropping Gasol into it, there's going to be more massaging that needs to be done. Um, I agree there's a lot of risk to it, but I do think Gasol's just a little bit better than Jonas at everything. And I think all the little sort of minor improvements you can make matter. And I just kind of think DeLon and CJ at this point were kind of almost surplus parts that weren't really going to make all that much of a difference. There were, there were going to be series, for example, where those guys never played at all. And that's not going to be the case with Gasol. So uh, I think I've made my peace with the deal as much as I know there is some risk. David, just thank quickly, you very um, much. John Woodley locked on Raptors. Go ahead, Josh. I was just going to say that Marcin Gortat has been waived by the Clippers. So he didn't get, uh, didn't get traded, but he is, uh, he has been waived as they needed to uh, waive a player to accept those two guys back from the Grizzlies in, in Garrett Temple and Jermichael Green. Interesting, and this is, ties into the buyout market and also the ongoing story of how backup centers really are the cheapest commodity. All right, Anthony Irwin, locked on Lakers, is on the line. Jake Madison, 
Locked On uh, Raptors online. Thanks again to Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors. Jake and Anthony, you cannot fight. <laughs> and it, and is Rich Paul controlling either of you as a puppeteer right now? Yes. He I'm paid gonna, me really, really well. I was going to say, I'm going to say no, but so this kind of lines up with what it is in real life, I guess. <laughs> All right. So let's start with the Lakers standpoint. You're sitting here. 39 minutes away from the trade deadline. This has been the number one story in the league, Anthony, uh, host of Lockdown Lakers. What are you expecting in the next 39 minutes? The Lakers are going to go after the buyout market. They, the, the problem here has always been not, not necessarily, and, and I heard Jake talk about the Pelican interest in the Lakers offer. I don't know if it's so much that they aren't interested in the offer itself, so much as they aren't interested in working with the Lakers, like specifically. What we're learning is that these billionaire owners are not particularly interested in letting their their superstars tell them and dictate where they're going to send them. Like not a single one of these superstars have wound up in one of their preferred destinations. And I think Davis is probably going to be one of the the latest examples of that. What I'm really interested to see is whether or not Davis gets into a game again this season. That's going to be really interesting because that hurts their chances, New Orleans chances of getting a pick on his way out, a good pick on his way out and that that's going to make things a little bit awkward there. But I don't think as, as Jake said earlier and as Woj and Ramona have, have reported throughout the day, those two teams, they've barely spoke on Monday. And I think Ramona compared it to ordering a pizza. Uh, nothing's going on there. By the way, major NBA story just came across the wire that has probably bigger impact than a lot of these, a city officials in Portland in contact with the Blazers management have been informed that they lead to believe that these the franchise is about to be sold. Paul Allen passing away earlier this year. So that actually can have uh, probably long-term. One of the 30 yeah. owners switching is a bigger deal than any of these players probably changing teams, uh, frankly. All right, uh, Jake, the latest kind of salvo from, I don't know, longtime Pelican beat reporter Dave McMenamin. Oh, wait, no, sorry. ESPN LA Laker <laughs> beat reporter Dave McMenamin is that Anthony Davis – is going to, as he wants to play and play every game the rest of the year. I'm assuming this was a, once again, a play out of the agency to try to force the trade. What is your reaction to that from the Pelican standpoint? Yeah, you know, I don't think anything's been really decided yet. This is going to be really intriguing because I don't see a deal getting done by the trade deadline. I disagree with what Anthony said earlier. I think New Orleans is willing to trade him to the Lakers if it's just for an offer that they like. And that hasn't come across right now. They wouldn't have even picked up the phone if they didn't want to deal with the Lakers whatsoever. So I think it's just they're going to wait for the best deal for him, which is why it's going to drag into the summer. I can tell you from speaking to people with the Pelicans, they're very high on Jason Tatum. um, And that's who they kind of view as the centerpiece for it. As for Anthony Davis, you know, potentially playing again, it makes zero sense to have him step on the court again for New Orleans. You know, it's kind of even weird now to see him even sitting on the bench and in the huddle with the team during timeouts and during games. And you just run the risk of injury. There's too much that can go wrong because imagine if he has an injury like DeMarcus Cousins does. You still have to trade him and the return is going to be so much less now that it sets the franchise back even more so than him just wanting out will do. You know, Alvin Gentry's spoken about this saying he's medically cleared to play and that's it. 
And there hasn't been anything more. There hasn't necessarily been an indication either way. So I think this is still kind of people negotiating through the media, trying to get him to L.A. sooner rather than later. We'll wait and see. They've got a game tomorrow here in New Orleans against, I think, the Timberwolves at 30. We'll see if he's ready to go, if he's playing, or if he's going to be sent home, which is what the more likely scenario should be for New Orleans. But this thing has gotten so ugly at times already that I wouldn't be shocked if it gets even uglier and maybe the league needs to get involved or maybe the Players Association needs to get involved if he files a grievance if they're just sitting him because he's healthy. All right, Jake, I'm going to ask you, ask you and I'll ask David this as well. I've been firmly on the trade that if Davis isn't traded, that he will play for the Pelicans, not because of anything that they do, but the league won't allow it to stand. They won't want an all-star, one of the best five players in the NBA, sitting there claiming he wants to play and just being sitting there in a tracksuit, being fully healthy or in a suit or whatever he's doing, not being allowed on the court. And I hear this argument all the time, oh, he's their best asset. What if he gets hurt? Like, well, he's He's literally hurt every season. Now, unless something catastrophic happens, if Anthony Davis pulls his hamstring or breaks his hand or sprains his ankle, there's going to be no team that goes, oh, you know what? I was interested in him, but now, you know what? He uh, he broke his hand, so probably not. And the likelihood of a catastrophic injury is there. But I just, David, and maybe you can speak better to this. There's no way the NBA is just going to say, no, we're cool with you uh, just not playing at all. I don't think the NBA is going to like it much, but I mean, the Jazz played a game last year against the Memphis Grizzlies where the Jazz, where Marcus Soule was unbelievable. Uh, I think had like 28 in the first half. Yeah. He played no minutes in the second half of that game because they wanted to make sure they were going to lose. And the NBA didn't do anything about that. So once you're allowing that to take place, I don't know how you can come down on the Pelicans. But that's half a game, though, not, not two months. There's a bit of a precedence that I think in Phoenix with Eric Bledsoe in the past, but again, that's not kind of on the level of Anthony Davis either. That's not a top five guy sitting for, you know, a close to 30 games. So I don't know what's going to happen. I think, you know, we've kind of been in uncharted territory with these open negotiations and other things at times. And it looks like we're just going to kind of keep swimming in that for a little bit and, and see what occurs. Certainly it's not good for the league. The league's not going to be happy about it, but do you want to kind of get involved or is it up to the teams, particularly when a player makes a public request like this one thing's for sure the league has is, has definitely set the precedent of never mingling with new orleans basketball teams <laughs> that's never gone still bitter about chris paul huh no no, no. I, I look i my thing is new orleans is going to operate in their in their best interest the lakers are have tried to operate in their best interest to me where where i thought in in kind of looking back in how all this played out what I really went back to was uh, Del Demps kind of sort of asking the league, hey, can we start to look into LeBron's interests and Chris and Rich Paul's interests in in clutch in their relationship with Anthony Davis? And I thought back then I thought it was oh, it's kind of weird. It's kind of random, you know, because just hours previously, Giannis Antetokounmpo had asked <laughs> Anthony Davis openly to go play in New Orleans. So I thought it was kind of weird. And then, and you know, when, when all this stuff started to take shape and we got that first report that Magic and uh, the Lakers had offered like Lance Stevenson and Rajon Rondo and Cat Filler and a couple of middling picks for, for Lance Stevenson, that's in rethinking how all this went, that's when I realized, yeah, this probably was never going to go down. <laughs> the, the two teams, if I was New Orleans, I'd have been insulted and I would have moved on from, from any conversation with Magic. 
it's it's definitely been a, a whole weird situation, and it doesn't appear like we're going to have Anthony Davis moving anywhere at, at this point. Uh, Anthony, do you think the Lakers are, are looking at any other trades after that Reggie Bullock acquisition? And and given the Bullock acquisition, and we know yeah, Bullock's been a, a solid three-point shooter, doesn't do a huge amount else, but how's he fitting in with this Lakers team with Josh Hart there, with Contavious Caldwell Pope, with Brandon Ingram playing a lot of minutes at shooting guard as well. Like, where's Bullock going to fit into this rotation? Because it's not like Svee was actually playing. So someone's going to have to be squeezed out or traded or whatever for him to actually have a role in this team. KCP, it's been funny while all this Anthony Davis actually, stuff has uh, been sorry, going Anthony, on. The Lakers just involved in a trade. The Clippers are trading Mike Muscala to the Lakers for Michael Beasley and Ivica Zubats. What? Yeah, <laughs> Why? Yeah. <laughs> So there you go. Goodness gracious, Magic is a terrible negotiator. But well, if Beasley is is not on the table, they're certainly not going to get a deal done for Anthony Davis anymore. (laughs) (laughs) There went. There went. Why why would the Lakers do this? Because Muscala is just better than both those players. I don't see it. I don't. I don't get it. Zubats has been one the the Lakers starting center for the last two weeks. I don't really understand it. Are they going back to? I guess in. I, I guess I think that's the obvious move here. Maybe you know they wanted to open up a roster spot uh, with this buyout market shaping up the way that it is, uh, with Wayne Ellington hitting the market. Uh, I would imagine pretty soon. So I think that's one thing that they're looking to do here. I just Mike Muscala is not the target that you that you go after for that. You know, uh, but to answer your question about KCP, it was funny while all this stuff was going on with Anthony Davis. You have. <laughs> uh, KCP was in the background like, hey guys, I want out too. <laughs> and, and the Lakers were very obviously leaving his text messages on rent as well. And they just, what what we're finding out now is uh, they have a way too many shooting guards slash small forwards. Uh, and none of them are particularly, you know, worlds better than any other ones. Uh, Bullock fits better right now than than any of the other ones because those other guys are shooting 35% from three-point and lower. So I think Bullock is probably their best option. I think they're going to, in the next half hour or so, I would imagine they're going to try to find a, a new home for KCP, and then they're going to acquire Wayne Ellington and, and try to move forward like that. If you're ready for All a, right, an, an, another trade, um, this one's going yes. to knock your socks off. Scale the traded for Caleb Swanigan <laughs> in two guys who probably won't play a single game this season. These are now, now we're getting the various cap moves. <laughs> Getting away from deadlines, various things of um, of of that nature right now. Um, in some of these deals, I it wouldn't be surprised if Boston didn't jump out of the luxury tax and a few others. Uh, before uh, we jump over to Jordan Alley, who's going to join us from Lockdown Bulls, get an update on them uh, and any of these other major deals that break here. We are 30 minutes away. Let me ask one question, each to Anthony and Jake, and then we'll recap where we are and all the deals that have gone on today. Um, Anthony, that picture of LeBron on the end of the bench with three ch- seats separating him from his teammates was pretty eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Um, how much damage has been done to the Lakers if there's not a deal done in regards to them playing as a un- cohesive group trying to make the playoffs this year? Well, I joked on two two shows ago that Luke Walton can walk into the locker room and say he can relate to the vast majority of the roster there because LeBron wants him gone too, and Magic wants him gone as well. So like, they can all they can all kumbaya to that together. But it's one of those things that it means something. It's completely impossible to to quantify what it actually means, and and for a Lakers team that you know. 
this is the unfortunate thing. They were at the four or five seed before LeBron got hurt. They were they were playing pretty good basketball. They were on a 51 pace. LeBron gets hurt. He sees his own mortality in front of him. Uh, none of the young Lakers were able to step up, and they also got hurt. And they slid all the way down the standings. And right now, the Lakers are forced into the spot where they have to make what they feel to be desperation moves. The chemistry isn't great because everybody is on the table. And, and I don't really know how this gets resolved. But, you know, fortunately, you look at the other teams that they're vying against. The Sacramento Kings didn't really respond very well last night to their own trade rumors. The, the Clippers just lost a really good player in Tobias Harris. And, and so those teams that are vying for those eight spot there, you know, somebody's going to fall into it drunkenly through a side door. And, and it's going to be interesting to see which one does it. There is, you have an um, open roster so, spot for Carmelo Anthony, by the way, Anthony. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm. <laughs> it's it's, it's 11:30 in the morning, man. I don't want to open up. <laughs> but no, I, I don't. Yet, I, I don't think. I don't think Melo will happen. The Lakers at the at the peak of Carmelo Anthony rumors. The Lakers leaked that they had concerns about his conditioning and overall state of his game. Those aren't things that you say about somebody that you're legitimately interested in me like lebron is out there saying i really want this guy he's up here he's my best friend all these things and the lakers are like yeah but he isn't good and 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 i don't think you leak those things for a player that you're really interested in signing when there are better options out there wayne ellington is an objectively better offer in every single way and and i think that's the way they go but i never would have envisioned that they would have dumped evita zubats to land mike muscala I, I i i wouldn't have guessed that either so who knows anthony um, both, Anthony, thank both you Woj, Woj and Mark Stein have just said that this opening this roster spot puts Carmelo Anthony uh, very much in consideration. No. I don't. I I'll buy it. I'll buy it when I see it. I, I'll buy it when I see it. It, it. It's into consideration, but like I'm considering all kinds of things at the moment. I just it does it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. One might be jumping off your roof when they sign Carmelo. <laughs> I am um, on the second story. <laughs> Anthony, I got to jump. Thank you very much. We appreciate you joining the show. We may go back to you before the day's done here with the trade deadline now 25 minutes away. The Memphis Grizzlies have traded a point guard. Yes. Shelvin Mack to the Atlanta (laughs) Hawks for Tyler Dorsey. Jake Madison, uh, uh, before we let you go, I thought there was a uh, one thing we haven't checked on. uh, Two things for you. Uh, Nikolai Miritich, how much does he help the Milwaukee Bucks? Oh, man, that is a great pickup for them. And seeing that Eastern Conference just add player on adding player, that's going to just open up the court. He can rebound. He can play enough defense, and he's an excellent three-point shooter. I'm really looking forward to watching this Bucks team in the in the future in this season and seeing what they can do. All right, Ben Golliver of Washington Post uh, joins Locked on NBA every week. I thought he made a fabulous point about two weeks ago that to go another six months with this fiasco with Anthony Davis lingering over the franchise can do real damage. It seems like they're heading in that direction. Do you think this can do real damage to the franchise to have another six months in this limbo, or is it? do you still believe it's the right move? It's a mix of both. Look, there's a risk here for the Pelicans, and the damage could be you don't get the offers you want this offseason, and it sets you back in your rebuilding plan a little bit more instead of taking kind of that big deal from the Lakers. 
but it also is just going to kind of put this weird cloud over them. It's going to make them look dysfunctional. You're also now very much risking uh, upsetting a pretty powerful agent in Rich Paul who maybe steers guys away from the Pelicans in the future too. I think that's kind of there as well. But unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, depending on your perspective from it, they've got to do what's going to get them back to the playoffs. And that's going to be holding on to Anthony Davis, dealing him in the summer for a better group of players and picks than what they feel the Lakers were offering. Jake, thank you very much. Keep up the great work on Lockdown Pelicans. Busy, interesting times. All right. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Thanks, Jake. All right. Let's Jordan Malley of Lockdown Bulls is going to join us here. Let's review what's happened today and get a quick take from Josh Lloyd on each of them. Nikolai Miritich has been traded from the New Orleans Pelicans to the Milwaukee Bucks. It's part of the Stanley Johnson Thon Maker deal for second round draft picks to the Pelicans. Josh, your take. Um, well, if I'm looking at it from a fantasy point of view, it hurts Miritich's value quite a bit. It opens up value in New Orleans for someone like Kenrick Williams and Darius Miller. Uh, Williams has been putting up some pretty strong numbers, so he's an interesting guy to have a look at there, but it does hurt Miritich's value quite a bit as he moves from a you know, 28 to 30 minute a night guy to probably 24 to 25. So there's a, a bit of a dip in his numbers there. Uh, overall, it, it's massive for, for Milwaukee. It, it really does help them. And David, something we haven't really mentioned is nearly all of the big names getting moved. They're getting moved into the Eastern Conference. They are, because Marcus Gasol left the Memphis Grizzlies to go to the Toronto Raptors. Not a big haul for Marcus Gasol, a second-round pick, DeLon Wright, C.J. Miles, and Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, what do you do with any of those players? Uh, I think you've got to add uh, Jonas Valanciunas. He's a guy that in 22 minutes a night, he's a top 100 guy. If he plays anywhere near 27, 28 minutes a night, then he is going to absolutely smash through with value. I think Ivan Rabb with the trade of Jermichael Green out of Memphis as well is going to get some extra run there. Hopefully it means that J.B. Bickerstaff is less cautious with the fouls on Jaron Jackson Jr., but of course he should be rostered in all fantasy leagues already. Uh, I think DeLon Wright with the move of Shelvin Mack out of there as well. He's worth a speculative ad, especially if Mike Conley does get moved. Things are clearing out in Memphis, and, and I really like what D-Line can do. In Toronto... Now, Gasol, I think it does hurt his value a little bit, especially if they're going to split those minutes with Serge. And, and I do think Ibaka is probably going to be on the, uh, on the list of guys who can be dropped after that deal just because... He was probably fringy type anyway, like a borderline, one of your worst two or three players. And now if he loses five or six minutes to Gasol in that in that mix there, then he's in a bit of trouble. Or if they move him back to power forward, Siakam's in a bit of trouble there as well. But I'd say Abarka's the most likely guy to lose value. But I love the pickups of Valanchunas. I love the addition of, of Ivan Rabb and, and DeLon Wright as well in fantasy uh, due to those uh, couple of trades that Memphis has made. And maybe the biggest Woj bomb of the day, the Grizzlies are keeping Mike Conley. Whoa emptied their roster of Jamichael Green and of uh, Garrett Temple. Both of them have been traded to the Clippers for Avery Bradley. Shelvin Mack was just traded for Tyler Dorsey. Marcus Gasol was traded for DeLon Wright, CJ Miles, and Jonas Valanciunas. And they are evidently keeping Mike Conley. Why? Um, I guess they believe they can get more at the draft than they can with two, another two years left on his contract. Um, but Wow. Uh, a standoff there between the um, Jazz, Pistons, and Grizzlies. Uh, before Mark King of Locked on Grizzlies joins us, let's go to Jordan Malley quickly, who's been patiently waiting. Jordan, yesterday, Otto Porter to the Bulls. Uh, explain what the Bulls are trying to do here. <laughs> this will be good. Yeah, yeah. Your 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 guys' guess is as good as mine, right? I mean, Otto Porter for Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker. And a 2023 second round pick that's protected. 
we get a lot of freakouts here during this bull season, during this rebuild, but half the fan base likes this move. Half the fan base does not like this move. For the Bulls, it makes kind of sense because Bobby's going to be a restricted free agent this summer. Bobby, as as according to Casey Johnson just a couple minutes ago, Bobby's asking somewhere around $16 million annually awesome. so this am I. summer from teams. I know. So me too. I would love to make $16 million. Look, Bobby's a great guy, and he had a tremendous year last season. And all the injuries stacking up this year, though, that's not going to happen. The Bulls offered him something north of $50 million over four years this season, and he turned that down. So the loyalty thing on top of Jabari not working out here, they had to do. And look, the writing was on the wall for the Bulls. They were not anywhere near tier one through tier three of the free agents coming in this summer. So they had to make a move, but taking on $56 million over two years of Otto Porter, I don't know what that's going to do for this team, but hey, he's going to come in, shoot threes, maybe play some defense, and let's hope he can turn some culture around for this Bulls team that desperately, desperately needs that. What do they do with Robin Lopez, and are there any other buyout candidates coming from Chicago? I think Robin Lopez is going to be bought out the next few days, hopefully, and he's been a trooper. I think anybody on this team can say, He's been the one glue guy outside of Bobby. He's been the glue guy of, throughout all of this. You know, he was acquired from New York in the trade where they got Jerry and Grant. He was moved along with Derrick Rose during that trade. He just came off that fresh contract when they got him, so he was stuck making that money. Look, he wants to go to the Warriors. When the Bulls played the Warriors in January, he was he was making nice with Steph Curry. They were laughing at the jokes, laughing at the the dance moves he was doing after hitting a three, so... I think it's pretty clear where he wants to go and it's just a matter of days until he gets bought out, but I don't see anybody else getting bought out on this team. And frankly, it's, it is what it is at this point. So he's the most likely out of all of them. I Jordan, keep up the great work. Go ahead. I'll say, I, I'm, I'm not sure that he does get bought out. Um, I think that they, they there's talk of him staying around because, again, they don't have any other centers. There's Chris Felito, and unless they're planning on giving him 48 minutes a night or playing Lowry Markinen at center, uh, which would push Otto Porter up to the fore, and given that uh, you know, Chandler Hutchison's out at the moment, there's there's a lack of uh, guys there. I'm not so sure that they will necessarily. I thought it was almost an inevitability, but I'm not so sure they will anymore. I think to save a little bit of face and, and you know, just just to do something nice for Robin Lopez, and I know that sounds kind of weird, do something nice for the guy. The guy's been a trooper for, for the four years he's been with the Bulls. They should just buy him out at this point. And to keep him around on this roster for another month and a half, to lose a bunch of games, just let the guy go. Um, they may, you might be right, just because of the depleted roster that the Bulls do have, they may they may need him. But you can you can find other ways to fill that role. And Otto Porter has played, I think, about forty percent of his minutes at power forward. So you could shift things around. Look, the Bulls don't need him to win any games this season, so they can find other avenues to fill in. Whoa. But you're right, depleted rosters. There is a there a, a word bomb option. just uh, occurred. Orlando is trading for Markel Fultz. It's an expensive player that doesn't play right there. Ten million next year for Markel Fultz, former number they, one. Pick they need the a draft. point guard. That's, uh, wow. that's look. If he's any, if he can do anything, that's that's massive, and that's probably the best position that he can go to outside of their issues with uh, development over the past. But um, yeah, well, I don't know what's coming back yet, but that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Well, interesting, uh, Jordan. Best of luck with lockdown bulls. Thank you very much. Enjoy. Uh, the, hopefully, you get named to the leadership council. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah.
All right. Mark King joins us from Lockdown Grizzlies. We are 16 minutes away from the deadline. Let me update everybody on what is taking place today if I can. Nikola Miritich was traded by the Pelicans to the Milwaukee Bucks. That deal included four second-round draft picks going back to the Pelicans. Stanley Johnson going to the Pelicans. Thon Maker going to the Pistons. The uh, Garrett Temple and Jermichael Green have been traded by Memphis to the Clippers for Avery Bradley. The Marcus Soul has been traded by the Grizzlies to the Raptors for DeLon Wright, C.J. Miles, Jonas Valanciunas, and a second-round pick. Caleb Schwanigan has been traded for Scala BCA. Shelvin Mack has been traded for Tyler Dorsey. If you can tell me three of the four players there, what teams they play for, you get a medal. Um, am I forgetting any any other block? Well, and now he's, Markel he's the Here's the fourth traded. deal, according to Kevin O'Connor. Uh, Jonathan Simmons, a Thunder first and a Cavs second. Uh, to to the Sixers for Fultz. So they got, they did get a first-rounder out of it. Not that it's a good one, but they got a first-round pick out of it, plus Jonathan Simmons, who's, who's not really that good. Um, but yeah, that's that's the deal for Fultz, according to O'Connor. Wow. What's your thought? What's your quick first take on that before we go to Mark? I think it's, I think it's worth it as a Magic. Simmons wasn't really even in the rotation for this team. That Thunder pick is a tw- you know, in the 20s. Maybe it's the 24th pick. Maybe it's the 27th pick. Who knows where they're going to end up? Maybe it's the 20th pick. And there's some value in that. But taking a flyer on a guy when you don't have any point guard prospects on this team at all. And Fultz is a guy that I mean, we, we all saw it for him coming out of college. What he was able to do. Was it look? It looked yeah, amazing, but then of course there's so much that's gone into this this fall from him. The lack of confidence and a change of scenery was always going to be necessary, I think, for him to gain that back. And this is the perfect spot for him in terms of opportunity. The uh, reduced pressure on a team that's not actually competing in the playoffs like the Sixers were. Yeah, he didn't have to come in and hey, you're in the rotation. You got to do stuff right now. Like if the Magic fall over, oh, so so what? Like this gives them an opportunity. There's not a great point guard crop coming up in this class. They're probably not in the mix to have drafted Jar Morant anyway. So I think that giving up that and it's good for the Sixers to get a first back, but that's not a overly valuable first round. It's not their own pick, um, and I think it's it's worthwhile. Maybe it's a marginal overpay, but I think you got to take that swing because if it works out, then it becomes a steal. Yeah, I mean, they don't have a point guard, so that's the, the essence of it. Boy, Philadelphia, for all their great moves, the drafting of Markel Fultz and losing a future first and then getting uh, so Fultz and a future first to Boston in exchange for now a Jonathan Simmons and a Thunder first-round pick. That, that could go down as one of the worst trades of all time. Uh, Mark King joins us now from the Grizzlies, who've been the most active player. They were unique last year in the trade deadline in that they didn't move Tyreek Evans. Uh, What is, let's start with the various, the whole picture of things of where Memphis sits right now. Mike Conley and DeLon Wright are your guards. Avery Bradley and Tyler Dorsey are your shooting guards. I haven't figured out who your small forward is yet. Uh, Maybe CJ Miles. Kyle Anderson. Um, Kyle Anderson, if he's healthy. Jaron Jackson Jr. and Jonas Valanciunas. What is Memphis doing here today? Yeah, I'm not sure uh, anybody knows, to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if they know. I, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, the the Valentinus and, and the Toronto thing for Marcus Hall is is what it is. I mean, it it it's not great value for Mark, but he also marks an aging center and hasn't been great. So I get it. But um, you know, the the idea with the Grizzlies that should have been all along, they should have. The idea was to get younger players that were going to be here long-term and or assets by either taking on bad contracts 
uh, things like that. Uh, obviously, Charlotte was the one they reported for a while. They were trying to talk with Mark. Obviously, that didn't work. Um, but, you know, Valanciunas is, is a good player, but the problem with Valanciunas is I'm not sure he's going to be here next year. I'm not sure he takes he takes that player option, and you guys got a player option for 15 million. I think he could probably get somewhere, you know, longer term deal on the on the market than he than he can taking that player option deal. So, you know, him and and CJ Miles both have player options, and so those guys, quite frankly, might not even be here next year. And so, the Grizzlies should have been looking longer than longer term than just this, you know, the rest of this year. Uh, into next year, you know, whatever you think think about DeLon Wright, I mean, he's he's a decent player, but out of all that trades that you just mentioned, uh, the Garrett Temple, Jamaka Green, Marcus Stahl, all that stuff, the best asset they got long-term was DeLon Wright in a second-rounder. So I'd say that's not great. It's, so you, it's, it's very underwhelming. You got restricted free agent DeLon Wright, who if you're going to want to keep him around, you're going to have to pay him. Exactly. So I think it's very – it's very underwhelming for sure, uh, and, and I'm not sure the Grizzlies have a clear vision. That's been that's been one of the problems for a long time with this team. David, just just quickly, Mark Stein reporting that uh, the Knicks uh, aren't going to be bu- buying out DeAndre Jordan, but will be buying out Wes Matthews. That means Wes Matthews and Ennis Cantor are both going to be bought out by the Knicks in the coming days. Will anyone pick up Ennis Cantor? Uh, the interest apparently was from Boston, maybe to fill that Greg Monroe role that he had uh, in the playoffs last season, so barely playing. So, I, yeah, he's not going to be in a, in a large role really anywhere because you know, in general, guys uh, who get bought out, they only go to contenders, and contenders aren't going to want to play play in as canter big minutes. He's going to be just an insurance big as maybe as what the, the fourth center on that roster, fifth center with Robert Williams. I, I don't know. I don't think he's going to play, or maybe he just doesn't go anywhere. I've heard some people say you can't play him. Oh, wait, that was Billy Donovan. Uh, all right, so, Mark, they do, the Grizzlies do not use trademark Mike Conley. Why not? You know, I, I understand what, what they're doing with Mike. I mean, Mike can play with anybody. You know, he's, he's a little bit older, but he's still a really good player. Uh, he, he can teach a lot, of, you know, teach a lot to Jaron Jackson and some of the younger players. But my thought was always if you're going to trade Mark, you might as well trade Mike. Um, you, you really – if you're going to go that direction, you really have to go into full tank mode like the Atlanta Hawks are doing. You just got to gotta be okay with it, and you got to take bad contracts back to get good assets in return for the future. So not trading Mike. I mean, they weren't really happy with the value they were getting from Utah, although I think that, um, you know, reportedly that favors in Ricky Rubio in a first um, is, is pretty good value for Mike. I think that uh, it's not crazy to ask for, you know, Exum or another first-round pick from Mike. Like, that's not, like, insane to me. But I also think that, you know, the value you can get with Favors and Rubio and being able to flip those guys either this year or at the trade deadline for Rubio or next year for Favors, like they still have value in and of themselves. So um, I understand keeping Mike is probably was always one an option for them. And it's not a terrible option, but, you know, they can try that in the summer. But the, the main mechanism they had for Rubio, uh, he expires this year for the Jazz. So, like, that was their main contract to send back to the Grizzlies for Mike in return. So that's that, that jazz deal had to be done pretty early on uh, before the trade deadline, because he's going to expire this year. Yeah. The, the jazz might have cap space to absorb Mike's contract, but I'm not, I'm not frankly sure on exactly where they sit as far as cap holds this summer. So um, I, I get what they're trying to do with Mike. Although I think if you, you owe it to Mike to send him to a place that can actually try to win for the last years of his career, uh, if you're not going to have Marcus all around as well. The, the deal that they were offered, reportedly from both Detroit and from Utah involved a first round pick. So it's really surprising yeah. to me. I don't know. There, 
there have only been three trades, I think, in the last four years that involved two first-round picks. That was the Chris Porzingis, the Tobias Harris deal, and the Goran Dragic deal. Um, the Goran Dragic deal, I think we all would agree that if Phoenix had dealt with it correctly, they got a steal on that deal. They just didn't deal with it correctly. Um, I think that the you will see on Tobias Harris, and we'll see as time plays out on the Chris Porzingis, they just happened. I think it's unrealistic to expect two first-round draft picks for a 31-year-old point guard. I mean, he's good. I actually think he's the most appropriately rated point guard in the NBA. Like, he's a notch below an all-star. I'm just surprised, and I don't know what they're going to get for him. And I'm a little surprised, to your point, Mark, about the fact that they're leaving him in this situation after all he's done for the franchise, when really he basically said the most graceful goodbye I've ever seen in a press conference in press setting the other night. Yeah, we, we, we actually – all the media members, we all said goodbye to him in the locker room the other night after the game. Like the, the way the Grizzlies have handled this has been very, very poor. Um, and and to my point, I've made on some of the lockdown Grizzlies shows, like players players notice that long term. I mean, they understand what franchises do and don't do for 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 their uh, for their franchise cornerstone. So I think this the way it went down was is very it's been mismanaged for the past couple of weeks for the Grizzlies. Um, so at least they were able to to trade Mark. Uh, because he's he's been very unhappy. I know that from a couple people I talked to. He was at the end of it all. He was very very unhappy the way with the franchise and the way uh, they dealt with it. And I can't I, I can't blame Mike if he's unhappy either. I just like you said, uh, it's very good value from what they got from the Pistons and Utah. I don't understand what else they could have wanted um, because I, Favors and Rubio are both good players, especially Favors. I mean, he still has trade value. You could use him to uh, get something else uh, down the road if you're not happy with what he's doing. I just I don't understand it. I don't know what you're going to what's going to change in the summer for you uh, than than what you got reportedly right now between those two teams. It is uh, it is interesting to see just the Grizzlies, I guess, not really knowing what they're doing and being sort of back and forward with stuff, and trying to hang around that eight seed. You're trading away these veterans like Temple and and uh, Jamichael Green and getting I don't know. It, it's it's a whole mess. It's going to be trying weird to see how it goes. Would you think, Mark, that, that Conley is probably more favored to be moved this offseason or still they are committing around him over the next couple of seasons? I, I still think they'd probably – I think they'd, they'd like to move him. I, I think, still think they, that's the idea is they, they'd like to move him. I just don't think they were unhappy with I – don't, I don't think they were happy with the offers they got. I mean, they did the same thing with last year with Tyreek Evans. They they held out for a first-round pick for Tyreek Evans, and, and no one was going to give them that. And they held out until – the last minute and then they couldn't get anything. And then they just decided to keep him on the roster and said it was just better for long-term. And I think that's the same thing. You look at Mike, they, they wanted something better and they, they keep holding, they kept holding out for something better for Mike Conley. And it, it never came. No one ever changed their deals because what they were offering was correct value for Mike Conley. And so it's the same thing. I think they, they probably are going to try to move him in the summer, but again, I don't know what, what changes it from now into the summer. I don't know. Um, you know, in, in reality, you want to uh, you want to flip him to a team that's that's trying to make the playoffs, that are that are trying to uh, push forward and, and and win a championship. And then in the summer, you have guys where everything's kind of all is, is reset, and, and the teams are starting new, kind of. So um, you get you get better value, and, and you're trying to uh, put pressure on teams that are trying to win right now, trying to move a guy like Mike Conley. The summer, I I, I don't know what the value increases in the summer at, from now until then. I just I know they want to move him, but I don't know if you're going to get a better deal than you got right now reportedly. And very frankly, you might get worse deals. 
Mark, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Enjoy Lockdown Grizzlies. Keep up the great work. And uh, I've been listening a lot recently. Keep up, you know, keeping an eye on all this. So thanks very much for your time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Josh, we are down to four minutes. We'll see if anything else comes across here. Do you think anything else Let's is going to happen? Let's update everybody. I think there might be a, a luxury tax deal or two um, that could take place, like Yibiselli out of Boston to get them under the tax. Or, um, yeah, you know, one Bird, thing we yeah. haven't. Um, yeah, one thing we haven't. And hopefully, we'll hear from Ben Debose um, here in a minute. What do you think of the? It's kind of a quiet thing, and it's a little bit inside baseball. But the Rockets' amount of moves here, all just to get under the luxury tax, mm-hmm. with a brand new owner, with a team that was an inch away from making it to the finals last year, that seems a bit unnerving, a little bit. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not good. And every single and look, Daryl Murray's done well to be able to get guys back in and still be you yeah, be competitive in this scenario. Grab these buyout guys like Kenneth Fareed and uh, and Austin Rivers and get these players to come in and still be competitive. But every move they're making is to to, to save cash. They're sending cash out to save more cash in the luxury tax. And this is a team. What what, what have you got? One, two more years of Chris Paul being at close to this level. If if that, like he's already struggled this season with injuries. You were literally a Chris Paul injury away from going to the NBA Finals and probably winning the NBA Championship. And then all it is is a a new guy coming in and saving money. It's definitely not an ideal scenario for the Rockets when every move, it's it's just transparently, we just want to save cash. And that's all it appears to be at this point. All right. The trade deadline is now three minutes away from coming to an end. Philip Rossman Reich from Lockdown Magic will join us. The last deal that came across was Markel Fultz has been traded by the Philadelphia 76ers to the Orlando Magic in exchange for Jonathan Simmons, I believe a second round pick, and a Thunder first round pick. Uh, Joe Varden has just reported that Anthony Davis, the agent of Chris Paul, tells him that Davis is not going to be traded today. No so the Lakers Pelicans deal, no surprise there. Here are the deals that have been made. With two minutes to play, Nicholas uh, Nikola Mirotic was traded by the uh, New Orleans Pelicans to the Milwaukee Bucks. Four second-round picks uh, flew into that deal, uh, all heading to the Pelicans. The Raptors traded Marcus Soul for Delon Wright, C.J. Miles, Jonas Valanciunas, and a 2019 in a first-round pick. Uh, Valanciunas, by the way, has a player option for 17 million. Uh, coming up, Garrett Temple was traded with Jamichael Green for Avery Bradley. Uh, Marcin Gortat has been released by the Raptors or by the Clippers. So has Milos uh, Teodosic recently as well. Okay, Teodosic, who's been an exciting player, never been able to stay healthy in the NBA level. Uh, Tyler Dorsey it was traded from Atlanta for Shelvin Mack. Scalabca was traded for Caleb Schwanigan. I don't think I've missed any. Those seem to be the deals. Mike Conley was not moved. Anthony Davis was not moved. Oh, uh, Zubak was traded What's uh, from the Lakers to the Clippers. Yep, for Mike in Muscala. In exchange for Mike Muscala. There was another player. Oh, Michael Beasley was in that deal as well, leaving the Lakers with an open roster spot that some people are suspecting uh, will take place uh, in the name of Carmelo Anthony. As we hit the deadline here, assuming nothing else goes down, Josh, you and before we start getting reaction from Phil, Philip Rossman Reich of the Magic, hopefully Ben DeBose will join us from the Rockets as they made all their luxury tax deals. Um, and do you have a winner right now? Do you have a team that to in and let's include 
let, a, a winner today, and then let's include the Chris Epps Porzingis to Dallas Knicks deal, the Harrison Barnes to Sacramento uh, deal, Otto Porter to the Bulls, Tyler Johnson. I don't think this will be a winner, but Tyler Johnson mm-hmm. got traded. Um, the uh, Sixers gaining Tobias Harris. The Blazers acquired Rodney Hood. What in your mind is the move, the biggest shaker in all of this? If we're looking at your value for improvement this season, I think it's the Sixers getting Tobias Harris. In terms of best value for the deal, it's the Bucks getting Nikola Mirotic, who helps them probably marginally less than what Harris does, but they also gave up nowhere near as much in order to get him. They gave up you know, a lot of second-round picks and Thon McCare as well, but you know, getting Mirotic back as opposed to Tobias Harris for those you know, first-round picks at Landry Shamet, that that's a, you know, a bigger a bigger haul to give up. But I still think the Sixers you did the best in terms of making that move. The three teams who improved the most are the three teams outside of the Celtics at the top of the Eastern Conference, the uh, the Raptors, the Bucks, and the Sixers, adding uh, Gasol, Miritich, and, uh, and Tobias Harris. But I'd put Philadelphia probably as the biggest winner. Now, in terms of long-term winners, I'd probably put it with the with the Clippers getting Zubats, getting those picks, uh, opening up playing time for guys like Gildas Alexander, positioning themselves with a shot at big free agents in the offseason. I think a long-term winner is probably the Clippers, but not for this season. Are the Lakers the biggest loser? The locker room seems to be divided, and they didn't get Anthony Davis. Um, yeah, probably. Um, you'd say Memphis is is not necessarily a loser, but they're they're one of the more confusing teams uh, involved in those deals. Just no real, I guess, uh, not communication, but no consistent thought through what they're doing, and, and not really a winner. And getting giving getting rid of one of their you know, franchise icons and, and not getting much in in return. But I think the the Lakers for all of the and and some of this hype is is just built up because they're the Lakers and oh, we're going to get this guy. And you can go through over the years of every single player that's going to the Lakers, every Photoshop that's out there, Westbrook and Love and LeBron for about five years and Mallow and Bosch and every single player in the world was going to the Lakers. So that builds up all these expectations. And then when nothing happens and all they get back is Mike Muscala and Reggie Bullock, then it does feel like a massive uh, uh, drop in, uh, in the overall haul. But what you mentioned about the impact on the locker room and on these young guys, it's real and it is impacting them. And I think it could cost them a playoff spot this season. Be interesting. The Celtics have traded Jabari Parker to get under the luxury tax. Some people calling the Celtics the winner of the trade deadline because Anthony Davis uh, wasn't moved. Uh, one of the final moves that came by that actually has some impact is Markel Fultz, the former number one pick of the draft. Got traded to the Orlando Magic for Jonathan Simmons, a second-round pick and a Thunder first-round pick. Uh, Philip Rossman-Reich joins us now from Locked On Magic. Philip, uh, what's your take on the Markel Fultz deal by the Magic? Uh, first, the, the fact that Orlando was able to get Markel Fultz without giving up Terrence Ross, who I think ha- is having is having a career season uh, season and, and is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, this is a Magic team that I think still has at least visions of grandeur of making the playoffs. They're only four games out, and so... The fact that Orlando was able to get a potentially impactful player for their future. I mean, I don't think this is a short-term play for Orlando. It's probably still questionable whether they were able to get an impactful player without giving up uh, such a key player to what they still think can be a playoff run to end the season. It's a really good get for for a, a team that's kind of in the middle between competing for the playoffs and trying to rebuild for, towards something in the future. So I think Orlando did a really good job. Uh, in in this deal, getting a, a player that can still have a big impact if he can get back healthy. Philip, in terms of it's all all going to come down to Markel and, and his health and where he's at. Um, you mentioned them still pushing for the playoffs. When they're out of it, do you see them just putting him in and trying to develop him as that starting point guard over DJ Augustin, who's been 
solid but unspectacular, I guess, which is the uh, autobiography of DJ Augustine's career. Do you think that Fultz could come in and, and, and be a guy that, that plays you know, through March and plays 25, 26 minutes a game, or is this going to be just completely dependent on his recovery, uh, recovery from that thoracic outlet syndrome? It's going to be completely dependent on his recovery, and of course, you know, I'm sure Jeff Weltman will speak a little bit more about it later today because you don't make a move like this without having some type of understanding of where he's at in his progression and, and his recovery. Uh, you know, the Magic are kind of in this position where you know they really, I mean, as far as the playoff race goes, they really didn't give up much. Jonathan Simmons is all, is out of the rotation for this team uh, with with Wesley Owundu playing a lot better, and Simmons really kind of coming over his own injury issues throughout from the off season. So Orlando didn't really give up a give up a ton here. So if Fultz needs the rest of the year to to recover from the injury and, and kind of keep doing uh, what he's doing to get back to the potential that that he clearly has, Orlando I think is in a position to say go ahead and do it. This was clearly a future play. This is clearly a play to to kind of set up Fultz to maybe take over the point guard spot at some point next season. Draft that has a ton of point guards in it, and so Orlando is investing in Fultz and, and betting that he can get back to that if not top overall pick level, a first round pick level, that they can begin to, to groom him as the team's point guard moving forward. They obviously need a guy with Fultz's potential skills, but it's really just it's really just a play to say, you know, we believe he can get back to that level. We're willing to wait for him to get there. So it, it may not happen this year. Um, if the Magic are out of the playoffs and Fultz is ready to go, maybe they throw him in there for a few games, but I don't anticipate that, that he'd be someone that's going to make a big impact this coming season. You know, I think we all know this has been talked about a lot that there's more than seemingly a shoulder issue with Markel Fultz. Maybe Orlando is the right spot out of the spotlight, out of Philadelphia, out of being the number one pick. And somehow that lets him go back to the player he was when he was playing at the university of Washington. Yeah. And I think that's, that's definitely something that could happen. I mean, I, Steve Clifford is, is definitely a demanding coach. He's definitely a guy that, that is a little slow to trust rookies. I mean, even with this young team, he's been a little slow to trust some of the young players, but you look at the magic's roster and how that rotation is shape, shaken out. I mean, even a guy like Jonathan Simmons, he's a, he's a veteran player. He's proven himself in, in this league, but Wes Wundu, a uh, second round pick from, from two years ago has beat him out in the rotation has made him completely expendable. And, and so I think, you know, if you come in, you play hard, you play defense, which I think Fultz has the body to play defense. He didn't really show that at Washington because he had such a big offensive load. Uh, you can gain Clifford's trust. Clifford is really good at developing young players when, when they give him the chance. Uh, you know, obviously Kemba Walker made some big strides with his jumper uh, under Steve Clifford and under really the same staff that he has in Orlando, uh, especially shooting coach Bruce Kreitzer. Uh, and so I think that if Fultz comes in with the right at with the right mindset, the right attitude to go out and go and go out and improve and not try to be the superstar. I mean, I think that's that's the big thing that everyone has to realize. He can't be a superstar. And this is something that could work out. It's ultimately going to come down to whether Fultz is fully recovered and fully confident from from the injury that he suffered. Philip, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Best of luck on a playoff run with the Magic in Orlando. Thank Magic. you. We appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks. That is Philip Rossman Reich of Locked On Magic. We may have one more guest that's joining us, but the focus now turns a little bit to the buyout market, by the way. Uh, didn't want to, I mean, if misspoke a moment ago, Josh, it doesn't look to me as though the Celtics got under the luxury tax. What they did do is clear a roster spot, though. And so now we start having teams playing in a buyout market. Uh, what's your expectation of what we're going to see in the buyout market? 
Um, I think we've got Wes Matthews is, looks like he's heading or looks like could be the favorite to head to Indiana. So that's interesting with the loss of Victor Oladipo and with Tyreek Evans really struggling, he could provide some some solid shooting in those guard positions. They've been playing Edmund Sumner and Aaron Holiday in that role. So I think Matthews can come in and be uh, a really useful piece of what they're looking to do. To, now, Matthews hasn't been good this season. I think we're all aware of that and he has struggled since that Achilles injury, but I think that's a bit of an upgrade in their bench unit, at least ahead of what Sumner and Aaron Holiday and maybe even what Tyreek Evans was doing because he has been poor for most of this season. So Matthews comes into a solid role there if that's where he ends up going. It appears that uh, J.R. Smith, well, not appears, he wasn't traded, but he also won't be bought out by the Cavs. So he's planning on remaining on the roster. And then you've got Ennis Cantor uh, with the Knicks as well, who will go to a team. But uh, he's going to play such a minimal role. I, I don't really see anything with Cantor in terms of your know, fantasy value. I, I don't see what team is going to be able to pick him up and play him 25 minutes a night. It doesn't exist in my mind. The um, what's going to be interesting on all of this is whether anybody in the West gets better. Did anybody in the there, there's the Warriors, and then there's two through ten or eleven. Did anybody in your mind get better in the Western Conference today? I can't think of anybody. Like who actually are oh, Sacramento get better by adding Harrison Barnes over Iman Shumpert? We've had our discussions about what we think of Barnes as a player. Is they are they better? They may be marginally better, but not like. Uh, yeah, I mean, they the the. Sacramento traded Harrison Barnes, Alec, acquired Harrison Barnes, Alec Burks, Caleb Swanigan in a second exchange for Shumpert, Justin Jackson, Scalabossier, and Zach Randolph. It probably does make I them a bit better. better. If Burks is better than Jackson, neither of them, these aren't game-changing type things, but it makes them a bit better. Right. But it's not, it's not like what happened in the Eastern Conference. The Clippers... They got better long term, but they got worse this year. Tobias Harris deal, right? Um, Uh, Minnesota did not make a trade. Utah did not make a trade. Houston moved a ton of pieces around. They got uh, shunted in for Ennis. Did they get better? No. Is is Shumpert better than Ennis, or are they pretty comparable? I think they're pretty comparable. They lost Brandon Knight. He wasn't playing anyway, so that didn't really matter. They lost Marquise Chris. He wasn't playing anyway. Uh, It doesn't really change much for Houston, I don't think. Pretty interesting. Um, and then uh, – and the Lakers, I think, will be interesting to see whether or not uh, – how they ever repair this locker room that has been completely destroyed by all this Anthony Davis. Before we leave, let's take in one more Locked On Podcast Network guest. I didn't keep track. I think we're up to like 14 of the 30 hosts joining us here on this. Um, ben DuBose joins us. Ben, we're just really curious on uh, two questions – uh, the first is, what is the reaction from the Rockets fan base on what was a really considerable effort by a brand new owner to get under the luxury tax on a team that a year ago was two three-pointers away from going to the NBA Finals? I would say understandable for the most part, but skeptical because they really want to see that down the road that this does get reinvested. Now, the way this season went, I can understand why they went under the tax because ultimately when they didn't get the likes of Jimmy Butler or any of the bigger stars that they went after, when the only thing following the Shumpert deal standing between you and getting under the tax was James Ennis, a guy who now is going to be your 10th or 11th man or was, that I can understand it. The problem is that down the road, they had already said for Tito on Media Day, I asked him the question, he addressed it, the tax situation by saying the luxury tax didn't bother him. It was the repeater tax that was the issue. 
And what really went into play with this particular decision was the fact that Chris Paul and James Harden, Chris has another four, uh, well, he has three more years, four years, including this one on his contract. Harden has his Supermax kicking in next year. So with the repeater tax kicking in after three seasons at the tax, they were never going to be able to make it through the four years of this Chris Paul, James Harden partnership at above the luxury tax. The Rockets knew it. There was always going to have to be a year that they took a step back financially. And when it's happened that they were within an Ennis move, a Stauskas move from doing it, I can't blame them. However, until he spins, there is a degree of skepticism that I can understand because you want to say, okay, well, this is the year that we're under the tax. So the next few years, you better be willing to pay the tax. And on paper, they said that they will. But until they do it, as you said, it's a new owner. I do understand a little bit of the the skepticism. By the way, Toronto has traded Greg Monroe uh, as what seems to be the final deal. He's moved to moved uh, to Brooklyn. Ben, okay. Uh, we were just talking about this, Ben. Do you think anybody in the Western Conference got better? That is a good question. I, at first glance, not among the contending tier. I kind of like the moves that the Clippers made, but ultimately, when you're losing Tobias Harris, I don't know that chipping away at the margins really improves you that much. So really, for the Rockets, I think their you know biggest competitive advantage might be in that no one else that they're truly competing with as far as playoff positioning, series down the road, they didn't really get a lot better either. It seemed like everyone that made a major move it's out east. So, yeah, I think other than maybe the Clippers, who I think position themselves well, both some for now and especially for this summer. Uh, but but as far as teams this season, I don't really see anyone out west that I say, wow, they really took a step forward with, with what they did. Ben, thanks a lot. Keep uh, Let me one last. Uh, I listened to your show the other day. The whole thought process on um, we've been live for two hours. I'm getting slow. Uh, on, uh, who's the kid who's in the G League right now because he ran out of his two Daniel House. Daniel House. Daniel House. Daniel House. Uh, the whole thought on Daniel House was to not sign him to that because you left mid-level exception money to use uh, in the buyout market. Do you think that that is no longer the case that they're going to use that in the buyout market? I think it's unlikely that they're going to use that mid-level exception money, period, at this point. Because if they use that mid-level exception money, and this is one that you can go back to and question – it would almost certainly put them over the tax line. Now, maybe if they waited long enough, because you know it's at this point in the year, contracts are prorated, so it's not impossible. But I think the odds are whoever they acquire, whether it be converting house, signing someone like a Wayne Ellington on the buyout market, my guess is that they don't use that mid-level exception because of their. You know, I really don't necessarily think that they planned. Certainly not for all year long to get under the tax. I think it was more just, oh, by the way, there's an opportunity. Nothing major is coming, so we can use this as our year to delay the the starting clock for that repeater. But yeah, as far as house and the buyouts at this point to stay beneath the tax, I'd be surprised if they spent it. Thank you very much, Ben. We appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Josh, let me give you some final thoughts as we wrap this up. Uh, I want some fantasy analysis from you. Any chance you think that the Pelicans' ownership prevented Dale Debs from making a move with Anthony Davis because they plan to sign a GM that's not Dale Debs? 
um, there's definitely a percentage chance that that happened. And I'm from what all the reporting that's come out, there's you know, push and pull in that organisation, whether that's through ownership or other parts of management, as to what to do with Davis. And I'm sure that's a that's a big part of it as well. You could also think that there's is there something happening on the we've heard this reporting as well on the the football side of things, and and they don't you know cave into player demands as quickly as as in the NBA, as it's more of a, an ownership driven league versus a, a player driven league. There's that element of it to it as well. And and I you do have to think that Demps is not going to be. Uh, Long term for this team, and that's uh, absolutely a decision that he, if he shouldn't be making a deal for the future of this team, if he's not going to be the future of this team, and if that's the case, they just need to get rid of him now. Buyout market will be certainly interesting. We just touched on that. Who's your best team in the East now that this is all done? Tobias Harris in Philadelphia, Marcus Soul in Toronto, Nikolai Miracic in Milwaukee, Boston holding firm until they add somebody via buyout market. I think I think the playoffs are going to be wild in the East at, at this point with those four teams. I, I think we have to go with uh, with Milwaukee. They're the best team currently. They added a strong piece who you could argue is you know, one of the most important pieces that's added throughout the whole deadline. Uh, they got better. Other teams got marginally more better in, uh, in in Philadelphia, especially. But I still think that uh, Milwaukee is the best team in the East. What do you think? You know, it's interesting. Philadelphia, just the Jonathan Simmons deal, the uh, Markel Fultz, we focus so much on Fultz, but that's actually a little bit of them in a desperate need for depth, beginning to fill their lineup behind their four starters. That starting f- five is the, be- or, you know, their four stars and their five starters. That five is the best there is in Philadelphia. Uh, Tobias Harris kind of fits maybe better in some ways than the other guys um, in the sense that he can shoot the three. But Milwaukee has been much better than everybody else this year. That should be remembered. So I would assume that that's the case. And with Miritic and even more of a spread floor than they already had, he's better than Ilyasova. He's an upgrade. Uh, and I'm not convinced Toronto got better today. Um, and the interesting one on Toronto, by the way, uh, as well, is Toronto is not better offensively or defensively than they, compared to what they were last year at this point. Yeah, they could have definitely taken a step back with this move. because it's also important to note how important Dillon Wright is, even though he was playing you know, 17, 18 minutes a night. On this squad, it puts a little bit more into Fred Van Vliet, but he's not the the wing defender that uh, the right is, and, and it is an important piece that they haven't been able to replace at this point. And, and things could happen, I guess, at, at other points during the season in terms of buyout guys. But it, it is a bit of a hit to Toronto there. So I still have Milwaukee and Philadelphia as the two clear winners there in the Eastern Conference. All right, from a fantasy standpoint, what moves would you make if you're playing daily fantasy or fantasy basketball based on these trade deadlines? I know that the people listening to this are going to want to hear yeah, these ones. I really like the addition of Jonas Valanciunas in Memphis. That's some some big-er minutes there, and we know that he is a per-minute monster type of a player, so he's a pretty clear add to me, probably the best add across the entire trade deadline. Uh, if you're looking in deeper leagues, yeah, Markel Fultz has a bit of intrigue, although that's probably a bit of a deeper bet. Uh, if it's a Zubat, moves into a, a role in uh, in LA, but we do have to remember that Marcin Gortat was the starting center already and playing like 18 minutes a night, and, and Zubat probably needs 22 or 23 and to be valuable, depending on what they do with Montrez Harrell, but Zubats will start there uh, for LA. Dillon Wright, we thought that his value could really spike if Mike Conley moved. That wasn't the case, so his value is muted, probably not as strong of a pickup. Ivan Rab gets a bit of a boost with Jermichael Green uh, going as well, and he'll play backup center shortly over uh, Joachim Noah and play some backup power forward as well. So he is a, is a fringe type of an ad, but the clear number one ad to me is uh, is Jonas Valanciunas. That value or that that deal really opens up a bunch of stuff for him in uh, in Memphis going from that 19-minute, and he was a fantasy valuable player in 19 minutes in Toronto. 
and surely he's going to be playing more that. The other guy I'd have as the second best at is probably Shea Gildas-Alexander with Avery Bradley moving out of LA. That should establish Shea as a 30-minute-a-night guy that Tobias Harris traded already bumped Gildas-Alexander's value. So now you'd imagine it's him and Patrick Beverly starting in that backcourt. Maybe they put Garrett Temple, but that would seem silly given the direction this franchise has taken that you want Gildas Alexander playing 30 and getting uh, getting all those minutes. I think he he is probably the, the biggest winner after after Valanchunas in terms of all these uh, deals that have gone down in the last couple of hours. Josh, it's been a great pleasure. Thanks for all your help setting it up. Thanks to Elliot for all of his graphics work as well. It's the first ever live program in Locked On Podcast Network. It will not be the last. We appreciate everybody who tuned in and joined us and hope – you enjoyed the unique insight from all of our local experts on the biggest stories on behalf of josh lloyd i'm david Locke. thanks very much for tuning in to our first ever live programming on the locked on podcast network it has been our locked on nba trade deadline thank you very much for tuning